This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. This is the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, Will Ospreay, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open. Thank you! You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 114. I'm Nick Howell. And still weirded out by the fact that Daniel Bryan is calling grown men impotent, I am Sir Ian Dangerous, (laughs) and welcome to the show. We have a big one this week, and I'm not talking about the thing I was just saying with Daniel Bryan. We have a big show this week. As we he was pointing to, to hot dogs in the concession stand, but I, I digress. We're not, we're not going to get into the euphemistic <laughs> nature of Daniel Bryan's promos this week, although we will talk about them when we get to SmackDown Live, but there's a lot of other things to talk about as well, yes. Raw and NXT and Wrestle Kingdom? Yeah, I don't know this little thing that happened at the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, (laughs) you know, only one of the biggest shows of the year. We've got to talk about that because there's a huge amount of fallout from that for many reasons, including some massive news that we started touching on last week but knew we weren't going to get all of the information from till after Wrestle Kingdom. That all came out this week. We got it. We, we (laughs) We got a lot to talk about. Before we, we even get to WWE or any of the of this week's shows, but before we do that, we've got to do some housekeeping and, and be professional podcasty broadcasters. So, if you would please, Mister Howell. Yes, uh, as always, please come over and join us in the Facebook discussion group. We have started doing for almost every pay per view uh, live group chats, so you can watch along with us, comment as we go. We're going to be doing another one for Royal Rumble. Shout out to JB and Andy for showing up at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning during Wrestle Kingdom and hanging out with us for that one. Uh, We will be doing one. It is scheduled for uh, Royal Rumble on January 27th at 5 p.m., but you got to be in the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook to access that, so come join us. You can also find us on Twitter at BWO Podcast, YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. Be sure to hit that notification bell so you're notified every time we put up some new content. And last but certainly not least, if you love us and want to support this show, it means the world and really helps us keep going. Patreon.com slash BWO. Throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar or sign up for one of our amazing tiers to get some rewards, content, interact with the show, etc., etc. You know, I'm, I'm still reeling off of all of this uh, stuff that happened during Wrestle Kingdom, man, uh, and the news, the, the fallout that went on this week. 
Yeah, we have we have too much to talk about to dawdle, so let's head on over and talk about the big news. It's official! Oh my god! It's really yep. happening! Yeah, yeah, they they said last week that all elite wrestling was actually a thing that uh, they had all signed up, and we talked about that last week. The, the little that we knew, but they were going to hold a press conference this week on Tuesday, uh, notably after Wrestle Kingdom. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> uh, we have a lot to talk about with Wrestle Kingdom, but uh, we'll get to that much later in the show. Towards the end of the show, we'll talk about Wrestle Kingdom, break that down after we get through WWE. But we do need to say this, and that is that everyone involved in all elite wrestling lost <laughs> they all got beat at wrestlemania drop uh, wrestle kingdom excuse me dropped their titles and uh that was in preparation for this tuesday's press conference where everyone involved came out and had words to say about it helped us define a little bit more what it was going to be even though we don't know a whole lot about their tv contracts or shows we do know that they're having a show on may 25th in las vegas called double or nothing and that'll probably be their first big show maybe their kickoff we haven't really determined that yet uh we do know that a lot of the major players that we mentioned last week cody the young bucks hangman page Britt baker uh brandy rhodes they're all a part of it we had some people come out during this press conference, and now we have a, a, a better idea of some more people on the roster. Uh, the big names, obviously the biggest one we have to talk about is the fact that Chris Jericho signed with AEW. Chris Jericho is going to be their, their big money man, their legend that they have under contract. He's coming out, and um, actually it's, it's funny. He's, so he's joined with AEW, and almost immediately afterwards, WWE removed him from their superstar section and put him in their alumni section within a couple of minutes of the announcement pretty quickly so i I think it was (laughs) something that a lot of people like may have known about and certainly a lot of people suspected yeah but um but then he was also taken off of the opening crawl that intro sequence where you see the all the video footage on the giant w well he's out of that now he got replaced by the bar in one of those little clips so he's no longer even on that so never say that wwe isn't a little bit petty uh, but they've also got other big names. They have a uh, SEMA, CIMA. He's joined SCU. All three guys from SCU joined MJF, Joey Janela, and Penelope Ford. And the big one that people were speculating about, it came to pass. Hangman Page was out cutting a promo on stage during the press conference, and out walks Pack, the former Neville. Walks out to get in his face. Looks like we already have a feud bet- going between those two. I can't wait to see that feud. Should be awesome. Oh, yes. So already some uh, some decently big indie names joining up with AEW. Nothing, I would say, world shattering though at this no, point. Uh, except it, for- it's like, oh, okay. It's yeah. Uh, you know, it's nothing. I mean, the Jericho thing certainly was you know a big deal, but I can't honestly say I'm surprised. Um, What I am concerned about, and I think we've speculated it over the past couple of weeks, is what about the other Bullet Club slash Elite guys, uh, such as Marty Skrull and Kenny Omega? What do we know about their status at the moment? So Marty Skrull, if you watch Being the Elite, and I I don't always keep up with it, but sometimes it's, it's, it's fun to watch. I watched it this week because I knew that they would have something about this. And on it, they all kind of in their own way on the show, you know, in, in the show's kayfabe, said goodbye to Marty Skrull. And uh, it was his going away episode, if you will. So we know that he's still contracted to Ring of Honor. All recent signs have pointed to him getting a title push in Ring of Honor, which I think yep. is a long time coming. 
so he may be running for the Ring of Honor Championship before he goes to All Elite Wrestling, or he may just sit out his contract. Depends on what Ring of Honor wants to do with him, really. If they want to tempt him to stay with them, you know, that's one thing. But I, obviously, they would be worried about his loyalty uh, as well. So we will see what happens to Marty Skrull over in Ring of Honor. The bigger name that's, uh, that's the big question up in the air right now is Kenny Omega. And I think that the reason that Kenny Omega is the, is the big question mark is he just dropped the belt to Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom. He just lost his championship match and uh, pretty quickly afterwards announced that he would be leaving New Japan. So we know for a fact he's no longer with New Japan. We also know it's been reported that he was given a peach of a deal. He was offered a lot of money and some pretty sweet perks to sign with WWE. Uh, and he has not officially said if he's going to go to AEW. And even on being the elite, it was kind of unclear as to where Kenny was going. He didn't walk off with the Bucks, but he also didn't stay, stick around with Marty Skrull. So it was it was pretty much put out there that Kenny is a bit of a wild card. And I think he's going to go where the combination of money and the, you know the deal, the, create, the creative deal is Opportunity. Best. Yeah, I, I don't think he's writing off WWE by any stretch because... It is such a huge stage, and it is potentially such a lot of such a big amount of money. And if the if the creative opportunity is correct over there, if they give him the right, you know, creative freedom in WWE, I don't I don't think it's out of the question that he goes there. Um, you know, as we said on our bonus episode, which you can check out if you'd like to join our Patreon subscription, uh, we mentioned that it was possible he might show up at the Rumble if they buy him out of the end of his New Japan contract. So. But at the same time, he's probably holding both companies hostage against each other. You know, getting a bidding war going here for for himself. So, and I don't, Good I for him. don't, I don't blame him for that. You Good know, for he's, him. He's put in the work. So he's he deserves to get paid. The three uh, to four years that he's had over New Japan, uh, he's he's earned it. He's, yeah. he's he's earned his stripes, and he deserves that payday. And by God, I hope he gets it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, other news about AEW. Billy Gunn has been confirmed to be their first producer. He'll be helping produce matches, which I think is a good call. Uh, it's been speculated that Jim Ross and or Excalibur from PWG would join up for the announcing duties, although I, st- I personally think that's a bit pie in the sky at this point. It would depend on what kind of TV contracts they get with that, but nothing's been confirmed. It's still speculation on that. Um, Tony Khan, the guy who is going to fronting the money, the owner, if you will, uh, has said that he wants to provide health care for the wrestlers uh qualifier being you have to be an employee a full-time employee so if they have someone under a contract where they're a part-timer or they're not fully with aew i don't think they're going to get the health care but that's certainly a very interesting thing to put out there i think that you know as far as changing the business wwe has been engaged in such crappy practices in terms of taking care of their workers for so many years that having aew come along and say look we can give you wwe money plus health care plus you know benefits plus all, all this other stuff that's i think a really big selling point for people coming to aew well, there was there was an interview with the Bucks that I saw where you know they were just on red carpet with the pre- the banner behind them, but kind of a candid interview, and they said they kept referring to the boys, and I was like, mm, come on, guys, it's 2018, it's not just the boys anymore, and they said execs and the boys would get health care, and I thought that was an interesting choice of words, and I don't know if they got a slap on the wrist for doing that. I mean, it is their company after all, but um, 
I don't know. I don't. It sounds like everybody backstage, but people that are contracted 1099 performers, probably not. They'd probably still be responsible for their own health care. Right. What, that's what I'm reading into that. Yeah, same. And and I, I think that's going to be to a limited extent, but at the same time, it could be a good step forward to actually have company-funded health care. Yeah, I like that uh, we're having the conversation about it, frankly. Absolutely, absolutely. Exactly. It's bringing it to the table. Yeah. Uh, in addition, Brandy Rhodes has said that she wants to have equal pay for men and women in the company, meaning that if you are a certain tier of star, you, whether you're male or female, you get to pay the same amount. For example, uh, Charlotte would be considered a main event woman star in WWE, and she gets significantly less than a male star who's in her same position uh, on the card. So that would be eliminated in uh, AEW. And uh, then finally, they've announced their first collaboration with another promotion. That's OWE, uh, Oriental Wrestling. If you haven't heard of them, uh, it's actually a pretty good company, and they've, they've got some some talented people involved with it uh, and a lot of exciting talent. Like it's It's actually, I think, a good look, even though they are a smaller company. There's a lot of talented people over there. There's a lot of other smaller indie feds that would be very interested in joining the Young Bucks, notably our boys PWG out of L.A. Uh, have a long working relationship with the Bucks, and I can't imagine that they wouldn't uh, have some something to do with AEW as well. Yeah, I mean, it's the farm team for pretty much all the major wrestling promotions. Yeah. They, they might as well, they better be in a good standing with PWG. It's, it's kind of like the final stop before you move on to Ring of Honor or New Japan or WWE. And sometimes if you're in Ring of Honor or New Japan, you still work PWG. So it yeah. is it is definitely like the final stop. So I could definitely see that being a place that that they look at to to uh, to utilize their talent. So big, big news, man. AEW is a coming and it's coming this year and they are off to a rip roaring start. Uh, there's a lot more I want to discuss about that that has to do with New Japan, but I'm going to save that for the New Japan section later on okay. the show. We'll save okay. that because there's a lot of other stuff we have to get to. But in order to discuss that, we have to talk about Monday Night Raw. Well... First Raw of the t- new year, 2019, new season, I guess. I'll do air quotes. Uh, w- we opened up with a giant brawl. Like, yes, and this we was, did. Th- this was a little, I was like, okay, well, we're kicking things into fifth gear right away. And then it just, it went all over the place. Seth Rollins chasing down Bobby Lashley, uh, you know, it just, I, this was a mess in my opinion. The, See, I, first of all. I, for the first time ever, I almost got seasick watching wrestling. Like, oh even with the God, sanity yeah. camera work of the last few months and everything, like I was, like I had to close my eyes and look away for, for a so minute. So this, this brawl that opened the show, the show opened and we had the, the 10 bell salute for, or sorry, we just had like a salute to Mean Gene and all of a sudden we cut to backstage and Seth and Bobby, they're trying to tear them apart. They brawl out to the main stage and then over the edge of the stage and everyone's trying to pull them apart. But as you said, the camera work in this was just like Blair Witch levels of god awful. And it was and I liked the concept. I liked the concept of opening the show with some chaos and then forming something out of the chaos. Like we had the brawl opens the show, and that's pretty crazy. Um that was it was a night it was unexpected it was shocking if you didn't watch too closely and get seasick as you said from the camera it was uh it was interesting oh okay what's going on there but then out comes john cena to say that he is going to enter the royal rumble and he's that's the first kind of concrete thing of the show cena declaring for the rumble out comes drew mcintyre to talk smack to him and this was a it was a cute little back and forth cena again showing why 
you know, he's so good on the mic and Drew holding up his end of the bargain, essentially saying, you know, you're coming into my house. You left. I'm still here and I'm going to take you out. And Cena saying, yeah, I've heard that before. Let's do something about it. Well, as they're in the middle of all of this, all of this kerfufflery comes back out <laughs> to bite them in the ass and we end up with a six man tag. So, uh, Long story short, we end up in a match between Bobby Lashley, Dean Ambrose, and Drew McIntyre against John Cena, Seth Rollins, and Finn Balor because he came out to make the saves after the heels jumped the faces and blah, blah, blah. You know how these things work, how we get into these. Uh, it wasn't, in my opinion, it was something where they tacked on some fresh aspects to a bit of same old, same old, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. But so, I here's looking if you zoom if you look at the individual things it's kind of annoying but if you zoom out it's the first show of a new season technically a season premiere um, first big show you you're coming out everything's going crazy and you know we're we're now John Cena declares we are on the road to WrestleMania and who better to do that than you know Mr. Cena himself yeah. So at the end of the day, I, I'm not too mad at it. It was the camera work that really threw me off. Like, let me see what is actually happening, Ridley Scott's cameraman. Like, more, seriously. More, more Tony Scott, I think. Well, sure. But uh, <laughs> if you want to parse the Scott brothers. That's a different episode. We'll have to have that discussion. But this is the thing. You know, it was, it was the same old, same old. Cena says something. Drew comes out to talk to him. Uh, Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush demand that uh, they, you know, something's done about Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins comes out to attack them. Dean Ru- comes out to attack them. And then, uh, you know, at the end of the whole thing, Finn Balor comes out for no reason. We have a match. And at the end of the match, Seth ends up curb stomping Dean Ambrose to pick up the pin. Uh, for, randomly sees Triple H up on the Titan Tron talking to Becky and Sasha for no real reason. So he storms back to the back to confront Triple H and say, hey, I just pinned your Intercontinental Champion. Am I worthy of a match now? And Triple H says, yes, you know what? You are. Welcome back, Angry Rollins, which I, I thought that was a good bit. I thought Triple H and Rollins always have some good chemistry and some good fire. Um, and that led to later in the show, the end of the show, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose had an Intercontinental Championship rematch, which was a decent match. It was it yeah. was a lot of fun. It was falls count anywhere. Uh, it was it was pretty fun, but uh, the problem was it ended in a mush finish with Bobby Lashley coming out, interrupting and taking out Seth Rollins. So here's the thing: I like the idea of Lashley and Rollins. It's a good feud for Lashley, especially with having the aspect of where Rollins is still distracted by Dean Ambrose. But it's just, it has absolutely murdered what could have been such an epic feud between Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. I think they've given up on this feud. Uh, maybe this was them saying that. Uh, that's, that's the only sense I can make of it because a, a Falls Count Anywhere match between these two guys, essentially a, a blow-off match to, so that we can move past this, and it's going to be interrupted by La- Is this to continue the feud or to sidetrack it with... Rollins and Lashley while Dean goes off and faces someone else. Ultimately, they come back yeah. for a match at the Rumble. I, I don't know. It just it didn't make any sense to me. I'm sensitive to, to anyone that gets involved in a Lashley feud at this point. <laughs> You've been hurt too many it's, times. It's kind of like a death knell to the to the opposing superstar. Well, but I think I think that Seth can elevate this, and I think Lashley will have his game elevated by Seth as well. I, I actually like the physicality the two have shown towards each other so far. They've actually got a pretty good presence together. So I'm not I'm not against it just on principle. I, I'm I'm a wait and see on it. 
But I, I, I am really still like, okay, so Dean Ambrose had a promo in the middle of the show as well. And once again, I felt like it was just too many working parts on something that should have just been so simple. And the second half of the promo, he simplified it a little bit and just said, I'm going to kick Seth Rollins' ass in this match. Great. The first half with the whole, I'm the moral compass of Raw and you guys are smelly and Seth Rollins, you you know why I've, I do the things that I do. No, we really don't, Dean, nor should we have to and nor should you have to explain in these oblique terms what it is that you are, what you're doing. There's something unclear about what he is as a heel, which makes no sense to me because it could just be so clear. It could be so clear. And we'll talk about this when we talk about Daniel Bryan on SmackDown and how he's using a lot of verbiage and big terms and whatnot, but it's clear as a goddamn bell what Daniel Bryan is as a heel. We're not getting that from from Dean. We're getting like five different heel characters mushed together. And it's, yeah, and, it's and in a weird way, there's some of the things that are he's saying are, are kind of facey things. And I'm going, wait, what? I'm confused. Yeah. The whole being the moral compass and all that. And, you know, well, I, that, that's a moral superiority thing. It's that's not too fine. different than Daniel Bryan. You know, it's a heelish, but I, I know Shut what you're up saying. and go kill people. You know, exactly. I, I don't need to hear this from Dean Ambrose. Right. Yeah. Just just the second half of the promo was like, that's what I want. The first half, I was like, do away with that. So that yeah, so Dean Ambrose still is a very unclear heel, heel character. We're not sure if Seth is going to be now feuding with Lashley. Uh, it looked like with this that he's going to go get distracted with Lashley for a while. To what end, we have yet to see. The only other thing I took away from all of these things that we just talked about was that we might be seeing a little bit of, of a passing of the torch coming with Cena and McIntyre. I am already suspecting that there will be some sort of business between them at the Rumble in which Cena gets taken out by Mac. I'm calling it now. McIntyre takes out Cena. Um, and maybe we okay. have a feud after that, or maybe maybe we don't. Maybe it's just that moment. But it seemed like they were planting a seed here with Cena and McIntyre to me. So that was another thing I took away from it. And I took away that Finn Balor once again is the window dressing. We needed another generic high-level <laughs> face. Throw Finn in there. Hey, hey. Finn's available. <laughs> have him wear the brightest red tights possible. They're so you know, red. For the, for the first time in... Probably six weeks or two months. I've que- I'm now questioning my my whole booking towards Mania, Uh-oh. Uh, and and some of it goes down the path of uh, what happened. What happened over on SmackDown, and I'll touch on that when we get there. But this you know, McIntyre getting into a Cena feud mm, that is that a distraction from the what we think is going to happen with Braun and Brock, and then eventually Braun and Mac D Mac at Mania? I don't know if Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre in the main event of WrestleMania is a main event. I don't think it's going to be the main event. We all know it's not going to be the main event. It ain't going to be for the title. It, I don't think that's a, that's a, not a title match right there. You've got to build. No, That's where my uh, head's at. Well, we'll talk about Braun Strowman in a second because, dear God, to this week did him no favors. Right. But before we get to that, speaking of no favors done, we had a major return this week on Raw. I'm not really a return to TV in America. We did see a cameo of the quote unquote immortal one, Hulk Hogan, over in Saudi Arabia at Crown Jewel, where he was the, the well, they called him what the host, but he just came out and cut a promo and then left. This week, in order to eulogize the late great mean Gene Okerlund, uh, Hulk Hogan came out to the ring. And it's the first time we've seen him on WWE TV in four years. 
ever since his major scandal where he was caught on tape using the N-word and some other really horrible racial epithets about, I believe it was his daughter's boyfriend or someone his daughter wanted to date. Sure. Um, And uh, which, to be honest, that along with just, you know, what we all now know about his politicking and history of bullshit uh, has left a pretty nasty taste in my mouth when it comes to this guy. Um, Orlando certainly didn't feel that way. Well, he lives in Florida. I'm just going to throw that out. There's kind of a hometown <laughs> hometown crowd for him. So I, sure. There's a okay. So here's the thing. On the and I, this is this is tough for me. I don't. I want to. I want to know how you took this away too. Okay. But but this was hard for me because on one hand, there were aspects of him eulogizing Mean Gene that I really liked. He came out to the ring. He started with the whole Hogan thing, all doing his whole gimmick, and then he stopped. And he took off his two small kitty glasses and said, you know what? I, I can do the gimmick all night long, but I'm here to talk about my friend, basically. And he started talking about Mean Gene as though he was uh, Terry Balea and not Hulk Hogan. And I liked that. It was, it was jarring to me because, you know, it's so easy for me to just brush him off and say, oh, that guy, I don't like him because of actions that he's done. But it was a very savvy move on his part or whoever suggested it because it humanized him Yep. Uh, in, a, in a lot of ways. And it did make you take what he was saying more seriously because he didn't do it in the gimmick. He did it in a very serious human way. So that was jarring to me. That took me aback a little bit because it was effective and in some ways touching. Although I, the problem is I don't trust the guy as far as I can throw him. So it seemed disingenuous to me. And it seemed a lot of this to me when I took a step back was disingenuous. It did seem like there was a lot of things set up for WWE to work Hogan back into the spotlight. Uh, Such in, as? Well, Orlando. Let's do this in his hometown. And I don't know. Obviously, they could not have timed out Mean Gene passing and them having a show in Orlando. That's, you know, that would take some foresight beyond what they're capable of. <laughs> but maybe, you know, maybe just a lucky coincidence. But of all people to have, like, have him talk about Mean Gene, like, yes, I see the connection. And yes, they were friends. But he wasn't Mean Gene's only friend in the business. You know, it, there seemed like a lot of things set up the same way that having him show up in Crown Jewel, not in the States where he would get a huge positive reaction, just come out, do something quick, and then leave. They're slowly working him back in. And it's not up to you or me to determine whether this man has paid his dues or not for what he said. Um, well, but it doesn't sound like he has to you. Again, it's not up to me. I still have a bad taste in my mouth about it, um, but I'm. You know what? Here's the first and foremost. It's up to the African American superstars in WWE to determine if they are ready to accept his apology and to accept him as as being contrite and having whatever served his moral term, if you will. So, fine. That being said, I I'm, I don't want to see him on my TV. You know what I mean? Like it just. Eh, it was like Ultimate Warrior, where if he hadn't if he hadn't passed away after that last speech on Raw, we wouldn't be looking at it so fondly now, because another guy who was just you know kind of a garbage human being. 
So this I don't know what. How did you feel about this Hulk Hogan segment? I was I was gonna let you finish. I was gonna let you get it get it. All I was out. I was drifting off there. There's, there's a lot of like there's a lot of strange <laughs> ephemeral feelings I have about. It. I haven't I haven't really come to terms with all my feelings about it because he is such a part of our childhood and it's just like I don't know. It's eh, it's 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 tough to it's tough to really wrap my head entirely around. But please go ahead. What what were your feelings on it? Um, I. If the, if WWE elects to have him be a part of their show, that is 100% ultimately up to them. And I think it is up to the WWE universe, not just the African-American members of the WWE staff and superstars, whether or not he can be accepted back into it. Now, I overwhelmingly heard in Orlando the WWE universe cheer and welcome him back with with open arms so it has been i don't know how long 2012 so it's been five seven years eight years at this point i i don't know how long you you hold a guy to that there's been there has been plenty of instances where comics have let it slip and you know they've had to pay their penance but they're back out on tour oh like michael richards got more money than god i'm just, just living off seinfeld royalties it, he doesn't need to do anything well, my, my point is, well, here's what i really want to say i don't want to get into the debate about whether or not hulk hogan can be in the wwe anymore because it's not up to me and you like you said i do think the wwe universe as fans that attend these shows do have a voice and that consume this product do have a voice we're the authority now right the new era ha ha wink wink but at the end of the day, I liked what they did here. It was short and sweet. Come out to his gimmick. I liked the humanization of, of Terry Bollea versus Hulk Hogan and the way that he brought it out. And I liked that they cut straight to that video package and let us see what WWE is phenomenal at, and that's doing video packages and, and tributes, montages. That whole thing was fantastic. I've watched it probably four or five times. But you cannot deny the association between Mean Gene Okerlund and Hulk Hogan. Yes, he did have a lot of other people and just but the when I think of Mean Gene, I think of Hulk Hogan. Well, that's partly it, because of the the era that he was in and Hulk Hogan was the biggest star. It was I understand al- that. It's almost it's almost coincidental as opposed, to, you know, to being I, I don't know. I don't know that that's a hard and fast thing. Although I did, I did note that you know one of the, the rougher parts of of Hogan's speech was when he said, "You know, Mean Gene, I hope you're up there with so and 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 so." He started listing off all these names. I'm like, "Damn, a lot of guys are dead." <laughs> you know, like, I think he, anyone else he even got up. a moolah mention in there. He did. He did, like, he did sneak. He did sneak a moolah mention in there. But that's the thing is that you know. Uh, maybe Hogan is the only guy that we can iconically see with Mean Gene that's still around and kind of kicking and is iconic enough to come out and do this. I mean, you might have a point there. You know, like there's everyone else who Mean Gene had a had an association with is gone. Whether it's Bobby the Brain Heenan or Andre the Giant or anyone else you can when you or Macho Man, anyone that pops into your head when you think Mean Gene, they've all they're all gone. You know, um, so except Rick Rick Flair. Um, is is the other one, and frankly, I, I probably would have had him over Hogan if I had the choice. But it's WWE, the and they and they I were understand. not associated in WWE, and that's the that's the thing. At the end of the day, yeah, I know, I I know, I get it. That that's my that's my take on it. Has he served his penance? Ultimately, you know, that's yeah. up to the WWE universe, in my opinion. I I'm not gonna 
you know, I'm not going to hold his f- f- fire feet to the flames any more than we already have. Sure. But I'm also not going to cheer if he comes out. I'm like, oh, I'm so happy to see Hulk Hogan. And that's just where I am. And everyone's going to everyone has, everyone's gonna have to determine where they are. Uh, and it looked like Orlando. I, he didn't get a huge pop when he came out, but they did cheer him once he was out there. So I, I think that, you know, and everyone will have their own reaction. So we'll just see in what way WWE utilizes him going forward. If this is it for a while or or what is going to happen next with Hulk Hogan. So uh, moving on, let's talk about Braun and Brock. Speaking of awkward moments, this was, was God awful. This was billed as the monster and the beast face to face. And what we got was poor Braun coming out to the ring and saying, Brock, where are you? Brock, where are you? And then video on the Titan Tron showing Brock and Paul backstage and Paul saying, you know, Braun, you're not worth our time. We're not going to come to the ring. F you. And it w- I don't know who the hell directed this or why they did it this way, but they had Braun in the ring staring straight into ring camera, not into hard camera, into ring camera. And I don't know if he forgot his lines. I don't know if there was a technical issue where he couldn't hear them or something, but he was just staring blankly into that camera for what felt like an eternity. And to the point where Brock and Paul started making fun of him. I mean, like, that's all you got? What? Come on, man. You, you got nothing else? So, yeah, this segment was this segment was terrible. And at a certain point, like, and Braun just kept saying the same thing. Like, oh, come to the ring, you, you coward. Uh, get these hands. Uh, you're a coward. Get these hands. And finally, yeah. Brock, finally Brock said, you know, what? I'm going to go to the ring. Screw it. And Paul. Let's see what he's got to say. Yeah, which told me exactly what you were just saying is they couldn't hear each other. Well, I, no, I think this part was planned. I think it was planned that Brock was going to come to the ring. It just, you know, the the dramatic build towards Brock deciding to come to the ring was somewhat castrated by the fact that Braun Strowman, something happened with him and his promo went to crap. Uh, but anyway, so Braun comes uh, sorry, Brock comes out to the ring, looks like he's about to get in and then doesn't and then walks away and Braun's in the ring screaming at him and that was your main event segment, like the, your, your, your title match for Royal, Royal Rumble, which you promoted, which is Brock versus Braun. That was the segment that you used to get people hyped about that segment, about that match. Oh, boy, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Wow. And it's, I, I, I don't know what to say other than just something is amiss. Something no reference wrong. to the fact that, that Braun has been beaten by Brock twice. Three times, including a, a multi-man match. Yeah. You know, no mention of that, obviously. Like, this is, yeah, this is, this is not good. This is not good stuff. So They got a big year planned for him, and I'm, I, this scared me quite a bit, to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't know, man. As hot as Braun was at a certain point last year, man, between the, um, the juggling his heel face dynamic and, and everything, like, he, man, they've cooled him off quite a bit. They've exposed a lot of weakness of his weaknesses, and it's it's a little scary. He needs to go back yeah, to destroying Brock, shit. Brock Lesnar is one of them. <laughs> he needs to go back to flipping ambulances and trucks over. Yeah, absolutely. And, and stages. You he's know, gonna, he's, I mean, as much as like, I I think at one show last year I said, you know, I'm going to getting sick of him destroying everything all the time. Okay, but don't not do it at all. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like part and of you got to be is, careful, dude. They listen to us. That you know, I guess you can't so. say shit like that. I tell you, I, I put it out there in the universe, <laughs> and it just happens. Well, speaking of stuff that we knew was going to be bad, and again, 
you know, we will try to look for the bright spots in this because they they were there. But overall, it was it, it was as bad as we thought it was going to be. And that's the Alexa Bliss worse inter- than I interview, thought it was going to be interview segment. Well, it included someone you didn't expect uh, who taints anything that she touches in your eyes. If if I may put words in your mouth, sir. But uh, Alexa Bliss had a moment of bliss. It was a talk show, and her first guest was Ronda Rousey. Oh, boy. This is awkward. Um, hmm. This, I, I don't know. Whose feet do you lay this at? So Alexa and Ronda on stage talking about Ronda, like who's going to face Ronda next. And uh, where did this go wrong? Where did this well, as go soon wrong? As, well, as soon as, well, first of all, when they, when they met uh, and, and in front of the chairs, Alexa extended a hand to shake her hand and Rhonda turned away. Okay, fine. You know, but at the, right from the start, it was all about Alexa Bliss. It was all about, why not me? Well, why, you didn't even mention me. This is all about me, 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 me. The beautiful thing that Miz does with Miz TV is while it is all about him, he, May, lays this veil of perception over, over by talking about the other people. Yep, he she has. Did, she really didn't do anything to quote unquote put over Ronda Rousey and the fact that she's been champ since SummerSlam. To speak to what you're talking about, Miz has an intention. He goes yeah. out there. He knows that he's the star of the show. He doesn't need to be reminded of that. He goes out there with an intention to stir shit up. Yes, right. That's the point of his Miz TV sections segments is. Either there's something that he wants or there's something that he wants to happen and he goes for that. Alexa Bliss did not have that here. She was just out there being the Alexa Bliss character and that was about it. Um, and I I have to blame the writers for that, not necessarily her as a performer. She did everything that she was given, I think, well. Ronda was a little bit awkward. She uh, she began saying that Sasha Banks was the unsung hero of Raw as far when she was asked about people that she respects on the roster, um, which brought out your favorite, Nick, Nia Jax might be her worst promo segment ever to date. You say that every time she has a promo segment. It, this, it just keeps getting worse every <laughs> single time. My my tolerance level continues to sink <sighs> further and further. And I don't want know what this throat clearing, scree, squeech, screeching thing that she was doing. I just I can't anymore, guys. I just can't. It's- I will say this. I think that she did a good job of making us hate her, but unfortunately, I think she's doing it in a way that is off It's go-away heat. Yep. We talk about go-away heat all the yep. time. It's freaking go-away heat at this point. Like Nobody cares. We yeah. don't want you here. Yep. Bye. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, like that, that did feel a little bit like what, uh, what happened in this segment until Sasha Banks came out to retort, if you will. Uh, so yeah, Nia Jax comes out saying, say, Rhonda, I would, I would love to face you. Right. Nia Jax comes out saying, look, Rhonda banks isn't all that, you know what? You have a girl crush on her. <laughs> and, uh, Sasha banks comes out to say, look, Rhonda, I'll be happy to beat you any day if you like, but you know, Nia, you can kiss my ass. She actually had a great line here where Nia said, look, you know, get in line, Sasha. And Sasha said, bitch, what line? And they proceeded to have a little brawl and then they had a match. This was this honestly, Sasha, I think, was the redeeming factor of this. Was she came out and everything streamlined and seemed to clear up a little bit. And but, she brought, but the, did, she brought but energy. But it didn't need to be redeemed. If you had just had Sasha come out and challenge Rhonda, Rhonda, I, I thank you for your praise. 
I accept your challenge. I'll see you at the Rumble. But we had like, to have a match. Uh, and, and, and I like the fact that they created a match out of this between Sasha and Nia, the first, you know, number one contenders match, essentially. They both challenged Rousey, and whoever wins gets to face Rousey at Royal Rumble. And then we had a match, and it was what Luckily, it was. Sasha survived. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and Sasha ends up winning the match, taps out Nia Jax. She is now going to be in a match against Ronda Rousey at Royal Rumble. Great. I'm excited for this match, actually. I think that Sasha's going to be a road bump <laughs> unless they book this match really smartly to keep her looking good. She's going to be a road bump for Ronda, but at the same time, it should be a really good match. I, I You know, one of the best female wrestlers from a technical standpoint versus someone who can be as electric and exciting as Ronda Rousey. Yeah, I'm down. We I'm don't down. get to skate over the fact that Nia Jax on an outside spot on the apron uh, was supposed to take what looked like an apron DDT. Uh, 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 no, it was uh, Sasha jumped up, threw her legs up on her, and it looked like it was going to be a Rana of sorts. And Nia Jax was supposed to roll off the ring down onto the floor and instead just let go of Sasha and kind of fake collapsed onto the apron, leaving Sasha to fall on her head. On her head. Uh, I think you're making it sound worse than it actually was, but it was it was definitely a botch. Go watch again. it again. <laughs> I challenge anybody, go watch it again. That is that's how you break your neck. Well, if again, if the perception of Naya backstage starts to be that she's an unsafe worker, she will stop being a worker. But if they continue to th- think that she's fine, then she will continue to work, and that's that's how it's going to be. Uh, there was a little bit of Bailey and Tamina interference in this match, which to me hinted at the what we suspect is going to happen, which is that Bailey and Sasha are going to be the two inaugural women's tag team champions. I suspect that uh, there will be some sort of Nia Jax interference at the Royal Rumble, and uh, we will go into a program with Sasha and Bailey versus Tamina and Nia for the tag team championships. After that, that's just my that's my. Pie in the sky speculation. When, when is so pie in the sky speculations? When do you think these pie in the sky women's tag belts are going to show up? When are the, we going to have those? The fact that Vince announced them uh, during the Christmas episode to me says sooner rather than later. I think if I, I, you know, that may have been a way of mollifying the the WWE universe, but I also think that now that he's said it, it has to happen. So we may see it before the Rumble. I suspect we might we may see it. Just after the Rumble, um, the very latest WrestleMania, uh, we may see a feud start after the Rumble that leads to a match at WrestleMania, uh, Nia and Tamina versus Bailey and Sasha for the inaugural tag team championships. I think that would be the latest I would expect it. How is there room? Like last year, the, the WrestleMania card was so full and it was a six hour show. Mm-hmm. Good Lord. I my call they don't happen till after mania. I, wow. I think it's right. it's we we don't see those things until what is it? Uh, what's the June or the sorry the May? Sh- I can't remember what the name is. Anyway, um, not bad. Is it Battleground or Backlash? One of those two. <laughs> on the fa- anyway, on the fast after- lane, there's no way out. On the way to yeah, TLC, but there's no roadblock the- this year, so no. we're just going down. We're going down the fast lane straight to mania. Yep. So, also on Monday Night Raw, speaking of tag team championships, we had a lumberjack match, a tag team championship lumberjack match. The Revival versus uh, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable for the championship. And this, so, 
the revival here are still somewhat working heel-ish, but they're also being presented as being guys who are getting screwed out of their, their title opportunities because last time, Rude and Gable uh, pinned the wrong guy. Yep. And, and so the revival lost. So this is their, their rematch in the Lumberjack match with, when everyone else in the tag division, for the most part, was outside the ring just so they could be on TV. Uh, and once again, we have a screwy finish where the revival gets screwed. So this, this is weird to me. Like, uh, and so there's so Dawson's leg was on the rope basically when right. he got, when he got pinned by Gable. So once again, a screwy finish where, where Rude and Gable don't win clean, but yet the revival are supposedly heels and Gable and Rude are supposedly faces. So once, like, like, even though we've now moved on from the Lucha House rules, which you know were called out as being a bad idea when they were apologizing for how crap Raw was, we are still getting this dynamic with the revival where they don't seem to know how to book them for what they're portraying, right? Because with the Lucha House Party thing, it was they were losing because it was three on two. Well, now they're sure. losing because Gable and Rude aren't winning clean, and the refs are idiots. So either way. They're being told a face story. A story is usually associated with the good guy wrestlers, but they're supposedly heels. Yeah. So we're still getting the same thing. Just there's a different robe on it, if you will. <laughs> well said. Uh, look, I, th- I feel like this is a this is a kickstart. I'm, I'm excited to see this kind of action in the tag division. It was uh, a great match. It. it was a good match. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I like these kinds of uh, shady finishes whether it's holding the tights or the ref not seeing a foot under the ropes or actual having your foot hooked onto the rope and the Ascension sitting there screaming going, he had his foot on the rope the whole time. <laughs> like that's going to change anything after the ref counts the three count. Fire those referees. Right. My point is I like this kind of uh, fiery redemption angle that um, is kind of par for the course for WWE. I, I think... This ultimately leads to a, a, a match at Royal Rumble for the tag championships and the revival. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Please, for the love of God, put those belts on a legitimate tag team for the first time in, what, a year? As long as they keep having matches like this, for, for the most part, against Gable and Rude, I don't mind them being in the tag division. But here's the, here's the issue is that these finishes and the story they're telling here is what I have the issue with, not the fact that these guys are facing off against one another or the fact that the Revival are getting to look like a legit tag team. Yeah. So that's more what I'm worried about. I'm glad that they're, they're turning the corner on the tag division and giving them actual matches where there's, you know, they're competitive and it makes them not look like a bunch of jabronis. But at the same time, they've got to work on clarifying these dynamics. Otherwise, you know, people are going to be confused by it. So... Yeah. Uh, also, we found, let's see, in the other couple of things on Monday Night Raw, Baron Corbin had a little uh, scuffle with Elias, but he declared for the Rumble, so we know that he and Elias are both going to be in the Royal Rumble. Uh, it's just it's kind of a flat mid-card feud, which I guess allows Corbin to kind of keep his head down and makes Elias look like a really good guy because he's facing off against one of the most hated guys on Raw, but really just kind of... Uh, 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 uh. Yeah. And then uh, finally, Ember Moon teamed up with Apollo Crews to defeat Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox. Jinder came across a little bit more vicious than he has before. He's doing away with a Shanti thing, is yelling at fans. That's pretty cool, but, you know, again, it's... I, I don't know. All these guys have... Are not it's really only kind of cool with. because the Shanti thing sucked so bad. <laughs> oh, 
Nick, calm down, man. Shanti. Oh, Shanti. Uh, you know, this match happened and nobody cared, and neither did WWE because they didn't put it on the Hulu edition. Like, why is it even there? It was yeah, uh, ways to get these guys on TV, fill some time. My worry is that Ember Moon and Apollo Crews are kind of in the same mercurial boat where they're good guys and they're faces who usually win these days, but they can't seem to get or win the big one. And so at a certain point, the fans won't care because neither of them really have a character. We potential. don't really know who they are. Well, no, we, we understand as fans that the top of the card is full mm. and there's not room for anyone else. And so we, we don't invest in these lower mid-card kind of things that WWE won't even like edit into the Hulu edition. We, you're, you're telling us that we shouldn't care about these things. I'm scared. Well, a lot of people, I'd love to see the numbers, the comparative numbers between who, how, how many people watch on Hulu versus how many people watch it live. Uh, I think Hulu's probably a fraction of what they get for the live audience. But even so, it's not a good look because there's stuff kind of in a corner of the show, even with the actual show. And I feel bad for some of these new people coming up from NXT where it's really going to be sink or swim because this roster is so stacked. Yeah. It's sink or swim. So, well, that'll do it for Raw this week, but there's lots more to talk about. We had a very entertaining Tuesday show, but to talk about that, we have to go speak about SmackDown Live. Well, it was announced this week that we were going to have a number one contender triple threat match between Carmella, Charlotte, and Becky Lynch. And this was after the fallout of last week. Everybody fighting over who wants to be next. Yada, yada, yada. Um, I, I want to talk about this one kind of, even though it happened last, let's talk about it first. Because this is, to me, this is kind of a big deal. Okay. Um, because as I was saying earlier, my perspective was getting changed on where my booking was going for Mania. As you guys know, I've thought Braun and Drew Mack for the Universal title over on Monday Night Raw. And can, you I've call, got, can you call him Drew McIntyre, please? Drew McIntyre. Oh, oh, there's Shane O'Mac. Is it possible there's for me Vinnie to Mac. finish a thought without Sir Ian Dangerous interrupting me <laughs> I anymore? Just, Dear Lord, I let uh, him go indefinitely. Oh, come on. Go ahead. Charlotte Flair, my thoughts were that Charlotte Flair was going to go after uh, Asuka for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Becky was going to win the Rumble, Royal Rumble match. And go on to WrestleMania to face Ronda Rousey for the Raw Women's Championship. Those were going to be our two feuds for the next few months. Becky Lynch ends up winning a triple threat match to face Asuka for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And my whoop, head went... Whoop, whoop, whoop. Okay, well, that kind of throws a kink into that plan. Whoop, 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 whoop. Does, yeah, does that mean that she's going to have this match and be in the Rumble? Because I don't... Exactly. So that's not normal. No. <laughs> is so that's the thing. So Becky wins this triple threat, which was, by the way, a great match. Even Carmella held up her end of the bargain. After, Absolutely. After taking a nasty uh, bump, Charlotte got um, Becky threw her Charlotte off the top turnbuckle, and Charlotte essentially involuntarily sent on onto Carmella, who was on the ground, just full on on her. And apparently, Carmella cracked a couple ribs and had to work the rest of the match. You, you could tell she was not happy yeah. after that. Um, but she still, you know, she put in some good work in the rest of this match, even though this was a rematch from this last summer, and it was a much better match than that one, and that was a pay-per-view match. But, uh, yeah, it was a really good match. But as you said, at the end, Becky slides in there, taps out Carmella, 
and she is the number one contender. And, the, and SmackDown went off the air with Becky and Asuka jawing at each other in the ring, which was a really nice look. I thought. That was beautiful. Yeah. yeah, you know me, Asuka yelling at somebody in Japanese. <laughs> yes, yes, just all of that all the time, please. So, no, but here's the thing: Do you think that this is the right choice, or like whether or not it screws up your predictions? Is this the right choice to have Becky go face Asuka, and then potentially a not be in the Rumble, or b end Asuka's reign? that quickly or C lose to Oscar and then be kind of adrift. Like what is this the right decision to make or should they've gone with Charlotte? No. Ooh. Okay. Why? For multiple reasons for a lot of the things you just said, the, the reason the man exists is basically because of the feud between her and Charlotte after SummerSlam last year that then evolved into the feud between Becky and Rhonda going at each other back and forth uh, for survivor series. Nia Jax, F that up for us. Thank you, Nia Jax. Um, so we were supposed to have Becky and Ronda at Survivor Series, right? Not non-title match. Champion versus champion. I thought we were going to... Where all of the fire for the man came from because Ronda was touting that, you know, she didn't, she didn't go work that hard to, you know, fight like a girl and all of that stuff to... To have someone walk around calling them. That fire for Becky, for me, was seeded with Ronda Rousey. The reason, if Becky now is going to have a championship match, I don't think she's going to be in the Rumble, which again takes all the fire away from the potential of Ronda versus Becky at Mania. And not to mention, like you said, if she wins or loses that match, neither of those outcomes are positive. Yes, she gets the championship again, but what about Asuka? Now, and who's Charlotte going to face? Are we going to get Becky and Charlotte regurgitated again for the next couple of months? Oh, guys, I just, you had this teed up for you like a softball. What are you doing? May I, may I give you a p- potential alternate possibility? I'm, I'm listening. I'm hoping you've got something. Because the Royal Rumble is both brands, which means. Ronda Rousey will be there. Now, if Becky loses to Asuka because of Ronda Rousey and Charlotte wins the Royal Rumble, Asuka still retains her championship and Becky now has beef with Ronda. And then we have the story of Becky trying to get a championship match with Ronda without having the Royal Rumble all the way to WrestleMania. And that's a story that the man is perfect for, her fighting upwards against someone who has done her wrong. And it allows Charlotte to declare for Asuka because then she, she has the opportunity and she can then it still works with what you were saying with uh, Charlotte versus Asuka or my suspicion, which is going to be Charlotte versus uh, Ronda Rousey versus Becky Lynch, triple threat, main eventing WrestleMania. That's my suspicion. Um, you have Charlotte win the Royal Rumble, declare that she wants to take on Ronda Rousey, and then Becky has to fight upwards for two months, three months, to get inserted into that match. And then once again, it's a her overcoming the odd story. So to me, there's still plenty of opportunities of ways that we can get there without yeah. Becky winning the Rumble and without her winning this match at the Rumble. So Both I, of those women's matches are more interesting to me than what's going on with the Universal title over on Raw. 
And I think there's every no single way title. that that match supersedes either of those two matches, frankly. Well, every single title is more interesting than the universal title to me right now. Rusev Nakamura is infinitely more fascinating than Brock Lesnar or Braun Strowman right now. That's just me. Um, is this also the right idea? Because if Charlotte loses this match, she now is not in the title picture for SmackDown. And in a way, it kind of takes her out of that, you know, perception of being the female Roman Reigns. Or I don't be, know. The argument that, could be made for that, sure. But I don't I don't see it. I don't I don't see them treating her like Roman Reigns. And and it because it's it's not blatant. It's not it's apples not be, to apples. She's not being shoved down our throats in the way that Roman Reigns was. She is naturally gifted. She is naturally talented and has the legacy and has it, you know, doesn't need any help. Roman Reigns needed all kinds of help. Well, he was—he didn't fit into the Cena mold that they wanted him to. That's—that wasn't who he was, and they didn't play to his strengths. Whereas they definitely play to Charlotte's strengths, and she has many of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, having someone get like a relentless push definitely can. There can be a backlash to that, and I think they've done a fantastic job of dancing through the raindrops with Charlotte and not make her feel like she is having that inorganic Roman push while still keeping her all the time at the top of the card and potentially having her in a major matches at WrestleMania and at all these pay-per-views. So I actually really like what they're doing with her. And I like the fact that SmackDown live has been smart enough to realize their strongest feud is a women's feud right now. And so they're putting that in the main event and at the top of the show as much as possible, even though we're still getting, we had Daniel Bryan open SmackDown live. We'll talk about him in a second. The women main evented it. Because that is the most interesting feud and series of feud and the characters they have going right now on SmackDown. Yeah. So props to them for picking up on that. And it has been for several months for that matter. And, and also not making a big deal out of it. Not being like, look at us. Look how great we are for promoting these women the way that we are. They're just doing it. And the women are coming out and paying it off. So props to everyone involved on that. 100%. But uh, speaking of Daniel Bryan, as we said, he did open SmackDown Live this week at the concession stand. We had a brawl on Raw, and we had Daniel Bryan at the concession stand on SmackDown. I can almost see the writer's room of WWE and people saying, what can we do that would be different? How about if we had different ways of opening the show? They're not looking at, at how like some of the more fundamental things. They're looking at like these window dressing things. Like, Well, maybe we could have it start with Daniel Bryan at a concession stand. And well, there he was cutting a promo about how we were all disgusting consumers and we were eating hot dogs to fill the gaping holes in our souls, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's a true statement, by the way. That's the only reason you eat those nasty, disgusting hot dogs at at sporting events. I eat them because they're delicious. Well, I don't know about you. Maybe Dodger dogs, but that's about it. Oh, God. What's the difference? (laughs) It's the same. It's the same rats and cows asses that they put in. Lips and assholes. Lips and assholes. So Daniel Bryan basically he, he cut a promo on everybody, uh, cut a promo on the the poor guy at the concession stand, put, cut, threw a hot dog in a guy's face. The guy sold it like he got hit in the face with a cinder block. It was great. <laughs> uh, he cut a promo on the guy selling merch, selling all the plastic crap, came out to the ring, kept cutting a promo. Uh, Took an AJ Styles fan uh, sign and tore it up on the way. Very Tommaso Champa of him, by the way. Plant. Uh, yeah, he passed another guy that he called impotent. I was like, you should take his sign because the sign is about like, hey, look, look, so and so, I'm at SmackDown. It's like you should have torn up that sign. That would have yes. been brutal. Uh, but he basically came out and got attacked by AJ. 
So the idea is now AJ is more vicious. AJ has has given in to his vicious side, much like Seth Rollins on Raw. Only on SmackDown, he was goaded to do so by Vincent, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. So AJ's now, he's all angry. And later on the show, we had Daniel Bryan leaving the arena. Uh, excuse me, I have, to, I have to take a step back. Daniel Bryan uh, got attacked by R-Truth first, and they had a match. Daniel Bryan beat R-Truth and then got beat down by AJ. Excuse me. I got the, the positioning wrong. R-Truth R, R, R attacked Daniel Bryan? Yeah, I got to the ring. Remember, and truth like came out of nowhere and jumped them from the no, ring. No, I remember. I'm questioning the, the sanity of this decision. <laughs> well, I, I like the fact that R-Truth's getting some TV time and is now being made to look more like a serious competitor again after oh, having sure. nothing but dance breaks. Same with Carmella in the main event. Like they even The commentary said, we're so glad that she's being a serious wrestler again and not just doing dance breaks. Same with R-Truth here. He had a very serious match against Daniel Bryan, which Bryan won clean, but that's fine. Anyway, so our so truth got a shitload of offense and he looked fantastic. Like, where's he been? Uh, he's been he's been around for a minute. I know they've had, him, they've had him back for a while. He looks incredible for his age. It's He's a freak. He's amazing. But uh, at any rate, Daniel Bryan at the end of the show says, AJ's now set me off and I'm going to be more vicious than AJ at this point. And he looked like an absolute psychop, like a Mansonian psychopath when he said this, by the way. So do you like the heel Daniel Bryan? The evolution of it, because I know you were questioning it at first because you didn't like his cardigan sweaters. How are you, what do you think about heel Daniel Bryan now? I'm not there yet, but it's getting better. Okay. What about the, what about uh, Vicious AJ? What do you think about Vicious AJ? Uh, yeah, listen, I'm going to temper this by saying I was kind of getting tired of both of their shticks uh, after watching them for almost two years straight. Okay. So... <sighs> Yes, I, I can't ask for something to be handed to me that's different and fresh and you know new without expecting something to be completely different. And they are giving us you know vicious AJ Styles that we haven't seen really since probably TNA, mid-2000s TNA kind of stuff. Uh, his matches with Kurt Angle that were just vicious and bloody and awesome. You know, I, I, I'm hoping we get to that level of AJ Styles kind of meanness. Okay, but as far as Daniel Bryan goes, I, I don't know. I mean, the novelty of this is going to wear off very quickly. You think? I think so. And it's people are kind of just, you know, what's the word I want to use? It's almost like satire in a way, like he's playing a part. I don't, I don't, and, and the crowd's like, boo, but we love you, boo. So you don't, you don't buy Daniel Bryan yet because you feel like his heel work is too cartoony here. A little bit. It's a little too over the top. Huh. Okay. Fickle. <laughs> I I personally I am wildly entertained by it. And he's he's so eloquent in the verbiage that he uses and how he uses it. Again, I can I'm contrasting this specifically with Dean Ambrose and how Dean Ambrose is doing his very talky heel character. Daniel Bryan already has like three or four different catchphrases from his. Dean doesn't have a single one. And that's because Daniel Bryan is, is being much more entertaining about it and much more specific and direct in his intentions and his deliveries and his character ticks. But what I like about it is on one hand, you're having this, you know, and they're both doing the kind of the morally superior character, Sasha Banks, morally superior character here uh, where, you know, you've got Dean's just saying he's the moral compass without giving us any reason why he is or, or in what way he means that. Whereas Daniel right. Bryan is just acting it. He's not saying it. He's acting superior and talking down to everybody and calling everyone names and 
acting like a, a freaking psychopath, but then turning around and murdering people, murdering them. Whereas Dean got beat up for most of the match with Seth Rollins on Raw. So for me, the Daniel Bryan heel character is working much more effectively, in a, but in a very similar vein as Dean Ambrose's. Um, oh, it's night and day. I, I don't, I don't argue that at all. Well, I, I, I don't. The think Daniel Bryan thing is kind of. It's. I'm not there yet. Honestly, I, I think he's going to find a place with it and and let it evolve on its own. But he's he's got to set up a lot of stuff first because it is such a drastic change. Um, yeah. and I think they're they're sowing a bunch of seeds now to to pay off later. But I I like the idea of him and AJ getting vicious with each other because you want two guys who are going to kick the crap out of each other if you let the leash off of them. It's these two guys. So sure, uh, and I think what I'm what's missing for me from Daniel is I hear what he's saying. He's mostly complaining and just mad. I need a little bit of smug ego to sneak its way in the door for to his for his personality and to to and for me that will that will kind of cement that. I don't know. I'm getting it from him already, but hopefully he he highlights it more so that you can see it as well. I'm already seeing that, but we'll see how he continues to evolve it. Uh, we also had a, uh, a tag match. The Usos have their final title shot against the Bar. These guys, I, I swear. But, this, can, just, go ahead. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> How many times? Every single time they come out and just, God. Yep. I want to point pay-per-view out. pay-per-view quality matches every time these guys get in the ring. We had, what, five matches? Four matches? Five matches on SmackDown this week. Every one of them was entertaining. Every one of them had stakes. Every one of them was fun. Uh, and this was another one. And and I say that even though there was a muddled finish where Mandy freaking Rose comes out to the top of the ramp dressed nothing but a towel and uh, says, uh, Jimmy, uh, do you know, did I leave my tiny little gold top, my tiny little gold bottoms in your hotel room? Mandy. Mandy. Cost them the victory. They lose. Uh, backstage after the match, Jimmy goes running backstage <laughs> past the bar. Um, and uh, as he's, or sorry, past the Miz, who's coming out, who we'll get to in a second. Jimmy runs backstage. Naomi's back there, throwing her shoes on the ground, takes on both Mandy and Sonya Deville uh, and gets her ass kicked before Jimmy comes in and chases off the other two women. So, all right. Th- is this too much of a throwback angle with Mandy being the over hypersexualized temptress kind of character that we would see in mid 2000s WWE or are they putting enough character motivation in here that we can let it slide what character motivation she's trying to get one over on Naomi so she's psychologically going after her husband she even showed backstage that she did actually have her wrestling clothes on under the towel it was all a ruse and her way of getting under Naomi's skin. To what end? Exactly. And that's I think that's where if there's a stake the one involved, if there's a championship opportunity, if there's a way to get one up, something like that involved, fine. I'll give you that. But there's there Naomi? Yep. I mean if if Naomi somehow had the number 1 contendership and she could steal it from her. Some kind of stakes involved. For this to be a slimy heel thing to do to circ- uh, circumvent her or, or supplant her position, fine. If she but had, I, I, yeah. Now, I, or what? Two week? Are we going to see <laughs> this year at WrestleMania? Mandy Rose and Naomi in a pudding match. <laughs> now, what's next? <laughs> what is next? I'd watch so that I, match. Where does this guy? I, you know. 
So wouldn't millions of other people. I know. But fine. That's why they got ratings in the 2000s. But here's the thing is that that's that's not with, with people of the talent and caliber of Naomi and and Mandy, frankly, the potential <laughs> that might put over WrestleMania more than Brock Lesnar this year. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, they, they deserve to have actual wrestling matches. So I'm waiting for this to become actual wrestling matches like the one little piece that they're missing you're right is the motivation for mandy to want to do this to naomi like why is she doing this to to jimmy and naomi right now other than you know hey everyone in the audience like, it's mandy in a towel <laughs> you know what i mean give like, her five minutes to come out to the ring and give her a backstory or a reason as to why she's doing this in such a vindictive manner towards naomi Bring us along for the ride, yeah. writers, because we don't understand what the hell you're doing unless Vince Rosso snuck in the back door and did an edit on what you wrote. Or Please tell me you guys didn't write this well, shit. Well, yeah, because otherwise we just have to assume that because, as we know, Vince has a thing for Mandy. Uh, you know, it's been it's been reported that that Vince is very high on Mandy Rose, but apparently what that means is it's a blonde and he wants to see her in a towel. That's all it's being told to me right now. Yeah. So, and I'm not. I'm not I'm not down with it. I like how Naomi is selling it. She's selling it legitimately. She's she's got some real fire there and I I I dig aspects of it, but what they're doing with Mandy I think is at this point, given the fact that we're supposed to be having a woman's evolution revolution whatever, it's beneath them. Uh they can do better than this. I agree. But I mentioned a second ago that Miz came running out to he came out to the ring after the Bar and Usos match. And the reason he came out to the ring was because earlier in the show, Shane McMahon had said, you know what, Miz, we're not quite ready enough to go for the tag titles, but what you need to do is challenge your opponents, and we'll, we'll build up to it. Well, Miz took that as a sign to go out and challenge the tag champions. So sure enough, he came out to the ring, challenged the bar. Immediately after their match. <laughs> immediately after their match. And Cesaro, of all people, gave an extremely eloquent promo back to the Miz saying, what? You, you and Shane are, are have daddy issues. You're you're incompetent. Like, why would we give you a a match? But you know what? Let me let me let Sheamus answer for me. Sheamus brogue kicks the Miz to hell, and then they accept. So Shane and the Miz now have a tag team title match at the Royal Rumble. And Shane was a little put out later in the show, but ultimately came around to the idea. So it seems like Shane and the Miz are on the same page. Uh, both being very face-ish. I, I think the Miz's face turn is nearly complete. Uh, but yeah, they have a match at the Rumble. What Now, what do you think about this? Do you think that this is something where we could see Miz? I, I know you're, not, you're kind of down on Miz and Shane. Do you think that this is a good idea to already have them in a tag championship match against the bar? <clears throat> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, uh, why? It, it, it's equivalent to putting the belts on Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. It, it's, oh. it's, you know, poppycock. It's stupid. It's whatever. It, it, there's nothing to it. And, and for me, they had, they had the Miz coming off of one of the greatest inter, inter, intercontinental title reigns of all time coming over to SmackDown Live. You had a returning Daniel Bryan uh, starting. This all started off at SummerSlam this past year, six months ago. And now you've got him ready to go, make this turn, and go right at Daniel Bryan for, for the WWE Championship and, and give Miz the reward that he has so very much earned over the last couple of years. Nope. We're going to put him in a weird tag team angle with Shane McMahon. And I just, I'm going, come on, guys. 
See, conversely, I'm really entertained by this. I actually really like this angle in this story so far. I've, I've been entertained by Miz and Shane in this. Um, the, my, only, my only caveat with it is if they do somehow miraculously beat the bar at, at Royal Rumble, my only downside with that is the bar who they, they struggle to look like a legitimate tag team because they have back and forth booking where they look like monsters or they look like idiots depending on who they're facing. Yeah. If they lose to Shane and Miz, then that's, it's now becoming a recurring theme that they lose to gimmick tag teams, whether it's Braun and Nicholas or now Shane and Miz. That's their weakness is gimmick tag teams. But I think that there's a lot of fun, entertaining story to be told with Miz and Shane as tag champions. I, I genuinely do. I think that that could be a very entertaining angle and lead us into some fun stuff at WrestleMania, even though it might be Shane versus Miz at WrestleMania, which not as excited about but uh the idea that they i mean it's something fresh in the tag division um and with the new talent coming up i almost feel like we should be having more lower card tag teams fighting each other for number one contendership spots and filling time with that as opposed to you know having one team go towards the championships Hey, speaking of which, before we move on from the tag division on SmackDown Live, we did have dark matches after this show, as we normally do, where Heavy Machinery put on an exhibition uh, against a couple of uh, local jobbers. Oh, no, it was the Colognes. They they defeated the Colognes. I mean, the Colognes are, con- are from Florida, so doesn't that make them local jobbers? They're from Puerto Rico, senor. Oh, okay. Anyway. Um, so Heavy Machinery confirmed to SmackDown Live. Interesting. I think you did call this. I saw them going to Raw um, to kind of be part of that rebirth, hopefully, of the tag division over there. But SmackDown Live is an interesting, because like you said, they're bringing in a whole new crop of tag teams now that we've, we're kind of getting past the Usos, the bar, and the New Day. So are they going to, do you think they're going to spice things up? Are they going to give us some more lower card tag matches rather than just those same three teams over and over and over and over again? I Probably, but at the same time, I don't think that just them working a house match for SmackDown confirms that they're to SmackDown. EC3 worked a dark match for Raw, so I don't know that that's confirming, but it does make it look very likely, and I yeah. think in both of those situations, that's, that's, a, that's a good place to put those guys uh, respective to the brand. Uh, I just hope they put Lars on SmackDown because he's going to just fade into nothingness on raw. Yeah. But, um, too many monsters, too, too many monsters. And he's just not big enough to stand, step up to all the really big guys on raw. He's, you know, he's not as anywhere near as big as drew McIntyre, for example. So, uh, moving on, on SmackDown, we had, uh, we mentioned earlier that Rusev and Nakamura are still having a feud last week. Rusev and Lana were in the ring. Nakamura attacked them and Lana ended up getting hurt. This week, Rusev cut a promo in the ring saying how he wasn't out there as a U.S. champion. He wasn't out there as uh, the uh, the man with the body of a thousand Hemsworth brothers. The Bulgarian brute. The Bulgarian brute. But he was out there as a husband. And last week, Nakamura hurt his beautiful wife, and he's going to break every bone in his body as a result. Cut to Nakamura on the Titantron in the TV truck, saying, look at this video from last week. It was not I who hurt your wife, but you when you super kicked me and made me fall over with her on my back. Okay, basic heel 101. Rusev gets mad. He runs to the back, 
and uh, and he ends up getting ambushed by Nakamura, who takes a production cart and rams it into him, and then Kinshasa's the hell out of him. So. Uh, I thought there was ups and downs to this segment. I thought that it was some good work by Rusev, and I thought that it was definitely the end was nice escalation with a really good beatdown. But overall, what did you think about this in terms of escalating their feud? You know, I'm not going to say what I think about it because you've all heard it before, but uh, I want to do want to say something. Uh, Esther was watching this with me, and it gave me some perspective on it. She goes, she said, I love Nakamura's kind of thing he has going on. I went, what? Huh? Really? She says, yeah, she's, he's kind of like the Joker. He just he does all this crazy, zany stuff, and he just laughs about everything. But it's it's still evil kind of stuff. And I kind of went, oh, yeah, okay. I've never I've never thought about it like that. That's that's pretty brilliant, actually. He is a little um, Jokerish. The problem is, I just wish that he was better at speaking English. That's really my only thing. Is that he's he's just missing that promo, and I just wish they would stop making him try to promo. Just run around, do zany shit, hurt people, and laugh as he walks away from them. Yep. Yeah. Or yell at him in Japanese. Yeah. Right. And it, that was a yes. thing. As at the end, he was yelling at Rusev. And I, I, we mentioned earlier with Asuka, they give her very limited lines to say, right? Very limited lines. Uh, they turn out to be too verbose with her. But then they allow her to just scream at people in Japanese. And I wish they would do that with more with Nakamura, as opposed to treating him more like a, a, a Western heel superstar you know and I, he was I, ramming the 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 roadie roadie cart roadie case into uh, rusev backstage and he was doing that yeah kind of thing it's almost like a karate uh you know kind of sound when you're doing yeah moves. yeah oh i believe is technical yeah, yeah whatever yeah. that is yeah That's um one of his classics love it yep. keep doing more of that agreed agreed and it's always nice to see nakamura with with extra energy in these kinds of things and speaking of energy we did have a tag team match this week samoa joe teaming up with cien almas versus mustafa ali and Rey mysterio dear god this match it, this was my match of the week right whoa. here <laughs> i mean we, holy smoke we said something i said something earlier about every match having stakes this match didn't really have stakes there was no purpose behind it like this wasn't escalating a feud or anything it was just a freaking incredible match you had some. You had Joe running like like a football linebacker running over people. You had Mustafa Ali doing Mustafa Ali things, and then you had Cien Almas and Rey Mysterio showing us what the top of the top level lucha libre could be in the WWE, including including the first true Canadian destroyer I've seen in a WWE ring in a long long time i don't know if the bookers weren't looking or vince wasn't looking but they got away with that maybe it's because it's ray mysterio and he's allowed to get away with that he gave cn almost a canadian freaking destroyer off of a, an airplane foot stand it was freaking insane i i j- popped jumped that was up one of the huge. most beautiful things i've seen in wrestling in a long time <laughs> holy crap Whoa. uh yeah no it was incredible and then what's even more incredible is that at the end of the match some confusion. Cien almost locks on the hammerlock DDT onto Rey Mysterio and picks up a pinfall victory over Rey Mysterio, which doesn't surprise me when thinking about it too much because Rey does like to put over Latino stars the way he did with Alberto, Alberto Del Rio back in the day, for example. This is a great way to kind of mark Cien Almas as a made man. And Rey Mysterio versus Randy Orton, I could care less about. Rey Mysterio and Cien Almas giving us some lucha action at the speed and style that they only they can really do all in. Yep. I'm Bring down. it on all if, week, every week. If you want to make CN Almas with Rey Mysterio, I'm a hundred percent behind it. And 
for people that were worried about CN not having much TV time for a while, there are no story. Like, look, here, here we go. He's doing just fine, guys. He's doing just fine. And so is Mustafa Ali. This was, this was one of those undercard matches where there was no real purpose or meaning behind it, but it was just a fantastic match, and it made everyone in it. Everyone looked good in this match. Even Ray, even though he lost, he still had enough cool offense. We know it's Ray. He can, pick, he can take a pinfall at this point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, everyone came out of this looking good. Joe looked like a killer. Uh, Mustafa Ali looked like just a, a nonstop baby face, would do anything to, to win. And CN almost looked like a guy who could knock your lights out if you just blink for one second. Yeah. So, Well, that's the end of SmackDown. But how do we feel overall about the first episodes of 2019 and how we're, well, obvi- well New Year's Day, SmackDown Live, whatever. Uh, this is the new start, the new year. We're on the road to WrestleMania. What are your thoughts? Have we still seen anything yet to signify or or signal this new era beginning? I aside, as I said earlier, aside from some window dressing stuff, no, not 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 really to me. And I think we're still getting going. As I think we said when they first announced this quote unquote new era, that we were going to give them most of January. Yeah, and after I, the Rumble. Yeah. I th- I think they're still getting their ducks in a row. Yeah, I uh, there's some disheartening stuff where I'm seeing too much of the same old, same old. The stuff they needed to change isn't being changed, and I think they're going to rest on well, the McMahon's are the authority figures now, uh, and we're not having direct authority figure feuds. But that's you know, and then like we're having new opening segments and stuff like that, and that's that's not what needs to be fundamentally changed. So yeah. I, it's still wait and see, but so far. There's not nearly enough. Well, I think one of the things that I've taken away from all of this is that the GM stuff has been removed in an effort to kind of get it out of the way and get it off the show. Because if the GMs have to be involved somehow, they're going to ultimately end up in feuds, and it ends up uh, monopolizing a lot of the time on, on Raw and SmackDown, unfortunately, at the expense of some of the other superstars. So I get that part. I'm okay with that. I, I don't remember a time we've... I'm not remembering a time we were without GMs. Oh, there's been some. Very it's, it's there's, and, there's certainly been some, but I I don't. They're not very memorable to me. They're so that's, that's where my fine pause. This this always happens. People get sick of the GMs. They take the GMs away. The authority figures away. Then they bring them back because people get sick. People they need more, you know, dramatic grist, and so they bring them back, and then they go away. It just this is part of the cycle. This is why I'm like having. The McMahons and Triple H as authority figures, you know, temporary authority figures. To me, it's not a fix. It's not even a sideways step. It's just, it. it I don't rate that as being a true change or shaking things up. That's just more of the same in terms of a long term cycle of WWE. Well, guys, that's the main roster shows for the week. But we're not done. We've got a lot to talk about over in the wide world of wrestling. Well, starting off with NXT, we had a double main event this week, what I like to call the goodbye matches, <laughs> Nikki Cross versus Bianca Belair and EC3 versus Adam Cole. Um, bay bay. bay <clears throat> excuse me. bay, bay. Um, Not surprisingly, Bianca Belair beats Nikki Cross. Adam Cole beats EC3. No real surprise, putting over people on their way out to the main roster. Um I I don't know. It, it was fine. I thought Nikki could have used a win, but Bianca Belair is undefeated. She needs that heat going yeah. into her match against Shayna Baszler. Fine. It was a good match. It was 
what you'd expect from those two. Same with EC3 and Adam Cole. Entertaining match. They both looked good, did their work. Uh, ended up with Undisputed Era distracting EC3, who then uh, ate a knee from Adam Cole and went down for the one, two, three. Uh, so that's fine. It, it took a beat down, but the War Raiders came out for the save. They're back. Yep. The War Raiders are back. Wall Waiters are back. Even Percy called them Wall Waiters this week. I didn't know if you heard that. He I did, did not. He's, he slipped and called them the Wall Waiters. Oh. Uh, uh, we're, we're hunting Undisputed Era. Um, so... They came out, and we now have it confirmed. The War Raiders versus Kyle O'Reilly and uh, Roderick Strong at yes. at TakeOver Phoenix. So we'll see that again. The fact that War Raiders stood tall this week at the end of the show indicates to me that uh, they might not be picking up them belts. On the main roster, I would agree with you. On NXT, I think anything goes. It's that's, unpredictable. That's a good point. Speaking of unpredictability, we also had to open the show. Johnny Gargano came out to cut a promo. Uh, I liked this promo a lot because he basically said, look, 2018, I learned a lesson. Success around here is not defined by if you're a good guy or not. It's defined by if you win matches and championships. And I thought that is such a brilliant. Someone is doing some great thought about what the Johnny Gargano character is and how he's going to evolve into this darker Johnny Gargano character. The lessons that he's learned uh, by taking life's slings and arrows and coming out the other side a changed person. A logical, long-term heel turn. And that's what they're giving him. It's, it's incredibly organic and logical, and I freaking love it. I love it. But he also says that, you know what, at some point I'm going to come for Tommaso Ciampa and his belt because he's still a scumbag. I don't like him. But Ciampa did mention that Ricochet has that North American championship. You know what? I need to prove that I can be a winner. So I'm going to go take out Ricochet. And take his championship. Yeah. Well, that brings you Ricochet. Hugh Ricochet, who came out and said, uh, essentially, <laughs> that's oh, cute. Oh, you're going to take this, are you? That's cute. You know, why don't you just ask me for a championship match like a like a man, like a man? And uh, this ended up so this now it's, this is where it got what I unpredictable, and I liked where they went with this. Champa comes out, and they both have history and beef with Champa, so they turn around and kind of look at him. He's about to say something, and they both are like, "Champa, go away. We don't want you here. Yeah, this doesn't involve you. Go go away." And before Champa can do anything, Alistair Black shows up on the Titan Tron. And let me quickly make an aside to say that we the first thing we were complaining about the first time Alistair Black spoke was that his speaking voice did not match his character. It sounded great here. It does now. <laughs> it's, it, nailed it. Nailed it. That was the final piece of the puzzle when he showed up on that Tron and uh, said these threatening words to Ciampa, essentially saying, I'm going to take your title at TakeOver Phoenix. You're going to fade to black, et cetera, et cetera. He sounded great. He sounded like how he looks and how I love it, the dynamic of when Chapa came out and they were telling him to go away. All the lights cut out and you get the burner, the opening of Alistair's music. Oh, yeah, that place lost its mind. I lost my mind. I think this whole thing was executed to perfection. Well, especially because what happened next is after Alistair cuts the uh, Titantron promo, the lights do go all the way out as he says fade to black. And as they come back up, he appears behind Chapa behind, on the ramp. And proceeds to whoop him all over the arena and out of the arena. So, yeah, all it's a bunch of different. There's two different feuds here. They interwove them very nicely, uh, and it finished with Johnny Gargano super kicking, like sucker super kicking Ricochet 
as uh, he was distracted by Ciampa and Alistair brawling over by the announcers. And then uh, Johnny walks away from it. Ricochet just ragdoll falling after that super kick. Right. I we went we rewound it and watched it four or five times. It Beautiful was sell. magnificent. Beautiful sell. And then the way the way that he was KO'd on the ground, like barely moving his arm. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful yeah. sell. I think we may be staring down another five star match, Johnny Gargano Ricochet at Takeover Phoenix. Are you freaking kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me? For the me? championship. Uh, it's just, it's, it's going to be awesome. Ah, uh, uh, I can't wait for that match. Those both those matches have been confirmed. By the way, Alistair Black and Tommaso Ciampa for the NXT Championship, and Ricochet and Johnny Gargano for the North American Championship. Bring it on. We also had a tag match. Fabian Eichner and Marcel Barthel are now a tag team. Rob? I, I thought Marcel, Bar- or, sorry, Fabian was busy being the uh, Evolve champion. I didn't check if he lost it or not, but they're a tag team now. They're called the European Union because Fabian Eichner apparently is Italian and Marcel, Barth- <laughs> Marcel Barthel is painfully German. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't the, with that in mind, wouldn't the axis of evil have worked better? Oh, now they'd have to have a third member World who was War II Korean reference for anybody that doesn't get it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'd have to have a third member that was, uh, that was Russian, but then changed sides halfway through. Right. <laughs> um, or a Japanese, uh, Japanese. I was going to say Japanese. Yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe Hideo Tommy could come, come down and they'd real, and hey. never mind. We're getting, <laughs> this is bad. We got to go. We got to talk about new Japan. <laughs> All right. So. So they, they beat up uh, two jobbers. Well, I thought they were jobbers. These jobbers got in a hell of a lot of offense on these guys. I was, they look great. Yeah, I was surprised how much offense they got in on uh, Eichner and Barcel, Barthel. Um, I'm a big fan of the idea of Eichner and Barthel. I don't think they quite mesh yet. Eichner still feels too American. He doesn't feel very Italian, if you know yeah. what I mean. Uh, visually, he, He's it not works. doing the hand, the hand gesture enough. Oh, jeez. Keep going. For those of you who can't see Nick, he just did the Mussolini hand gesture. Uh, they said he was Italian <laughs> what are your early thoughts on this pairing do you think this is going to work out in the long term or do they need some work I mean I would have said the same thing about um, Lorkin and Danny Birch a year ago but I a year and a half ago I don't know first match we're seeing them I, I think they're I think they're better singles wrestlers yeah we'll see we'll to see. be determined yeah I, I liked some of the, the chemistry I saw here. I didn't like some of the, the chemistry where it didn't quite work out. So we'll see. Maybe one of those tag teams that uh, they work on a little bit. Uh, sky's the limit. I would love it if Walter came along and finally came to NXT. I don't think he will. But, you know, if he and, he and Barthel reunited with Eichner, that could be an awesome faction. Uh, finally, on, to, on uh, NXT, Keith Lee had a little promo where he said he was going to avenge Riddle getting beat up, Matt Riddle by getting beat up uh, by Cassius Ono, which happened last week. So next week we have Keith Lee versus Cassius Ono. Oh, hell yeah. Can't wait for oh, that. Yeah. Can't wait for All that. All day. Mm-hmm. Moving over to 205 Live, real quick rundown this week. Noam Dar had a match against Tony Nese. It seemed uh, he beat Tony Nese. Seemed like a one-off. Nothing really to talk about there too much. Uh, Mike and Maria ben- uh, Canellis uh, were complaining about not being used more. The, even the though Canelli. They were the, the Canelli. <laughs> we're complaining about not being used more on the roads. So we might see more of them in the coming weeks. Leo Rush said he wasn't in the Rumble because of the Lucha House Party. Uh, okay, I don't know how that works, but he's apparently going to start a feud with them. That should lead to some really entertaining matches. But the big story was the number one contenders match qualifier match between Cedric Alexander and Hideo Itami. It was a fantastic match. Itami back in full form. He gave... Cedric, a freaking falcon arrow on the floor that if it wasn't for the Canadian destroyer, 
in the Rey Mysterio uh, Cien Almas match would have been my move of the week. It was gnarly. And shortly did, afterwards... Did he put the bat wing over him when he pinned him? Uh, I'll have to go back and look. Uh, yeah, he, <laughs> he, he, he wiped it across his face. You can see the outline of Cedric's face under the bat uh, wing. No, just... Uh, Itami did win. He did get a... He says, that's got to be a signature win. Uh, that's a big one for him. I wouldn't be surprised if he wins the uh, four-way contenders match next week. Um, yeah, or, I can uh, see it's that. Not, it's not next week. Excuse me. It's at Royal Rumble, I believe. I wouldn't be surprised if he wins that match uh, or has a good showing in it. But uh, next week, we do have a non-title match. Buddy Murphy has issued an open challenge for next, to, for next week to anyone under 205 pounds. We have no idea who this is going to be, but I have a far, like a crazy out-of-the-box suspicion. Hear me out. Okay. <laughs> Umberto Carrillo. Ooh. If you watch NXT, you know who I'm talking about. He's currently tagging with Raul Mendoza. He's the former Ultimo Ninja. Ultimo Ninja. Ultimo Ninja? Ultimo Ninja. Excuse me. Uh, he is fantastic. He's a young, good-looking dude. He unmasked to come to NXT. And we also had it confirmed recently that WWE will be putting on uh, what I think they're calling... Uh, I want to make sure I get the name right on this. They're calling it a uh, cross-world or, or all-worlds... Um, worlds Collide. Excuse me. Worlds Collide. There you go. Battle Royale yep. match, right? It's going to be an access before Royal Rumble. And um, they initially had said that Umberto Carrillo was going to be representing 205 Live, not NXT. But now they have since changed it to have a slot from 205 Live for a, quote, superstar yet to be named. So to me, this all reeks of Humberto Carrillo coming out next week and being the surprise open challenge contestant against Buddy Murphy. And I think that's a great call because the dude is mad talented. Damn. Well, great shows this week. I, I have to say, I, I haven't been inter quite entertained by WWE like I was this week for quite some time. Well, we were we were complaining about how they haven't changed much, but it seems like we're being more entertained. So there's something there to think about. Yeah, that's true. Well, guys, uh, not to be uh, not to put all of that other stuff we just talked about down, but Wrestle Kingdom 13 happened this weekend, and by God, yeah, oh, oh my God, oh, my God. God. Uh, oh man, I, I, I was up all night for it. And I'm so happy I was. It was top to bottom, a fantastic show. Even the, quote, worst match on the show was still a great match. Um, and it was very entertaining. Lots of, lots of fantastic plot and surprise twists. Uh, well, I guess not that many surprise twists if you look at our, our pick'ems. But uh, at the same time, a lot of good stuff. Uh, Want to run it down really quickly. We had the match, the... Uh, the match for the never open weight belt between Will Ospreay and Kota Ibushi. This was a lot more ground based based than we thought it was going to be. And Will Ospreay murdered Kota Ibushi. Ibushi put On his him way out the door. Potentially, potentially Ibushi may be going to AEW. Yeah. Not something that's been talked about a lot, but it's very possible. And uh, I think he's right there with Omega as kind of we're, we're speculating that it probably might happen. And you can maybe. never predict what Kota Ibushi is going to do. The guy is, he does whatever he wants to do. Yeah. 
And good for him. But uh, I like the fact that Osprey is now changing up his character. He, even online, he's saying, look, everyone always used to say I'm the aerial assassin. I'm just the assassin now. Like, I, I used to work a style that people said was going to kill me young. Well, guess what? I'm taking your advice. I'm not working that style. But now you have to apologize to everyone I face. I'm just going to kill them instead. Damn. All Damn. right. All right, Will. I see you. And I hope that Will gets into the heavyweight division sooner rather than later because he's, I think, the sky's the limit for him in New Japan. He's, he could be number two guy Jin behind Jay White or number one if he really plays his cards right. Yeah. Uh, we had the heavyweight tag match. Evil and Sonata surprised both of us and uh, pinned the Young Bucks in a three-way match, also including Gorillas of Destiny, to take the Gorillas of Destiny's titles. And they are your new heavyweight tag champions. In fact... Everyone, everyone from Los Ingobernables picked up belts tonight. Uh, and uh, the only one that Bullet Club had at the end of the night was the light heavyweight, the junior heavyweight championship, because Taiji Ishimori, Bone Soldier, beat Kushida, which surprised a lot of people who apparently haven't read that Kushida wants to go somewhere else because he did. This is pretty much a retirement match for Kushida. Taiji beat him like pretty significantly cleanly. Uh, he put him down hard. Also, uh, not terribly surprising, Zack Sabre Jr. came back around and grabbed the Rev Pro title off of Ishii, Tomohiro Ishii, and I thought what was the sleeper match of the night. It was so damn good. Uh, there, if there's a couple of matches you watch from, the, from this show, this is one of them. It was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, really great match, contrasting the styles of Ishii and Zack Sabre Jr. The psychology was fantastic, but it makes sense for Zack Sabre Jr. to hold on to this British championship because he's going to be representing this brand going forward and will probably be the champion, I imagine, in August when New Japan brings a bunch of people over there and has a crossover promotion with Rev Pro. Uh, Juice Robinson beat Cody. He is your new U.S. champ. As we said, everyone from AEW lost their matches, even on the pre-show in the gauntlet match. Hangman Page lost. So it was, uh, it was a, a murder across the whole thing. <laughs> Here's the first interesting one. Jay White versus Kazuchika Okada, special singles match. They've had a, a nasty feud going on for a while. And so many people, Nick, were picking Okada. That was crazy to me. I don't think either of us did. We both picked Okada. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. We both picked Jay White. Yeah, no, we both yeah. got this one right. Yeah. Um, it seemed like that, that was where the story was leading. I don't know about you, but uh, it's, I, I felt like this made sense to have Okada fall further. No, I feel, I feel like we both pretty much said that this was the culmination of Okada's downfall and that he needed to lose this match and the betrayal of Jay White needed to be cemented and, and all of that. So all of this made sense to me. I, I think the Okada marks just picked Okada because Okada. Well, it so, didn't, it didn't help that he came one. out as OG Rainmaker Okada with the bleach hair and the, and the trunks. That's true. That could have swayed quite a few people for sure. I think that it swayed a lot of people, and I think it actually made it an even bigger deal that Jay White beat him. It's also the kind of subtle storytelling that we don't get in a lot of other promotions where a guy, just based on what he wears, uh, it's something hugely significant in terms of his character, where we can look at Okada and say, he came out as the guy who was the, the undefeatable champion and the, one of the most powerful wrestlers in the world. He came out looking like that, but he wasn't really that inside anymore he can dress up like og rainmaker okada but he's not still that guy the reaction from the fans for this i can only describe to fans of wwe who don't watch new japan 
as the same as Cactus Jack at Madison Square Garden when Triple H called out uh, Mick Foley and uh, you had Mankind show up on the Titantron and then Dude Love showed up and then he's like, I'm not coming out as these guys. I'm coming out as Cactus Jack. Like it was that kind of thing where, you know, people lost their damn minds. We're like, holy crap. And it's that kind of significance with the character. Yeah. But Jay White still beat him. Clean as a whistle in one of the most beautiful ending sequences of the night. It was like ballet. So Jay White, I think, redeemed himself from last year's Wrestle Kingdom. He looks like he's got the rack rockets strapped to him. I'm looking forward to seeing where he's going. Uh, Naito and Jericho had a essentially a hardcore match. And it was b- brutal. Absolutely brutal. Jericho got partially scalped. Uh, they were both showing they were both looking very worse for wear after this match. Confirmed Naito girl was in attendance. Uh, there was a couple. I think she's had uh, some clones made of herself. There was quite a few Naito girls in attendance. <laughs> but uh, th- uh, this was another classic match. It was a great match. I thought that uh, it could have been it could have been a downer, but they found enough creative spots and they worked really hard. I thought it was smart to make it a um, a no DQ match because it kept the ref out of it. And that was like, I think one of the things that didn't I didn't like about their last match was red shoes just kept getting in the way. Yeah. And uh and this time he just kind of stepped aside and let them just fight. And it was, it was gnarly. I saw someone online compare it to hardcore jazz. And I think that's the best way. That's the best description I've ever heard of it. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. It was, it was really well done. Very exciting. Uh, I did like that afterwards after Naito picked up the intercontinental belt uh, by beating Jericho, putting his demons to rest. He went back to being old school Dick Naito, tossed the belt around, jumped the red shoes and tried to gouge his eyes out and spat at the young boys. So, never change, Naito. Never change. Yeah, N- Naito and spitting on people. <laughs> what is it? Death oh taxes and Naito spitting on people. It grosses me out every time. <laughs> and then finally, the main event, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kenny Omega. As we mentioned earlier in the show. Just, just wow. <laughs> wow. Another classic. Another one. Uh, Tanahashi did pull off the victory here. I think my only nitpick about this and it is such just a non-factor nitpick it's just completely stylistic i can't i can't complain about this match at all uh i just i'm high fly flow frog splash winning matches in this era against the kind of offense the other guys put in it just doesn't ring as true to me (laughs) like the damage they take and then he's able to put kenny down with two high fly flows i'm like "Ah!" it doesn't it's not as believable to me but Screw it, man. It's Tanahashi. Uh, he makes me believe in, in anything. Um, so, yeah, Tanahashi is your new champ. Uh, we've got a few months left of the Heisei era. I imagine that Tanahashi will hold the belt through the rest of that uh, until the emperor does step down in Japan so that he will be your first champion of the new era, unless they've got something really dastardly planned because Jay White does have a match against Tanahashi at New Beginning on February 11th. You beat me to it. I was getting getting ready to say with Omega out of the way now and and defeated. Watch out for Jay White. Yeah. I think I agree with you. I think he's got the rocket strapped to him, especially coming out of the G one with that performance last year. Uh, damn you, Evil, for knocking him out. Um, <laughs> but anyway, should have been it should have been Jay White versus Tanahashi at Wrestle. Or I'm sorry, against Omega at Wrestle Kingdom. That would have been better. Anyway. Oh, I know. I, I was very happy with You would this. have gotten more than a frog splash finish. That's right? true. The Blade Runner, he has made the Blade Runner look great, and Omega does sell the Blade Runner like death. 
So that is true. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. Watch out for Jay White. A- amen. Uh, our pickums were were pretty solid on this, Nick. You got four right. You picked uh, the U.S. title. You picked that Cody was going to lay I down the ones that mattered. Yeah, you got all the big ones. Uh, Okada, Jay White. You picked. Uh, you picked Naito to win, and you picked Tanahashi to win. Which every that was a coin flip for a lot of people. Uh, and to us, it seemed like it was fairly clear, but uh, that was that seemed like a coin flip. Um, I picked up eight on this. The ones I got, I got the the opening gauntlet match wrong. I don't know why I picked the Bullet Club when I knew AEW was going to pull them all away. That was dumb of me. And I also uh, picked the wrong person to win in the tag match. I thought Gorillas of Destiny were going to retain. For some reason, they put it on Evil and Sonata again. That seems boring to me. I thought they wouldn't do that because I think Sonata is going to be heading out soon and taking off from New Japan. But Hey, what are you going to do? Um, I think I did okay, considering I, I watch New Japan about an eighth as much as you do. Yeah, absolutely, man. You, like I said, you picked a couple that a lot of people were confused on um, with, with Okada White and the heavyweight match. So I'll take that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that being said, there is a big exodus going on. New Japan has all its contracts coming up at, in January. A lot of its contracts, I should say. They're losing Kushida. They're losing Kenny Omega. Uh, they're losing Izuka, who's he's retiring. He's he's older, so it's 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 time. Yeah. He's having his last match in February, so good for him. Tiger Hattori, fan, a very legendary referee who actually refed the Jericho Naito match. Um, was it Jericho Naito that he refed? Excuse me, I have to go back and check my notes. But he's retiring, uh, which is sad because he's fan, he's awesome. Obviously, the Bucks and Cody, they're all gone from New Japan. So I'm curious what the landscape will be without them. As we just said, Jay White, it's his time. Also, Juice Robinson just re-signed for three years. So that's two gaijins right there. They've got locked down. Uh, and I don't expect Okada or Tanahashi or Naito to be going anywhere. So, no. so all of those, all the big guys are now are sticking around. So anyone panicking about New Japan, they're gonna be just fine. <laughs> yeah, we're just we're moving on from the from the Bullet Club era. I think it, can we say that we've moved on officially that this. That the Bullet Club era has come to an end? No, I think we've, we've, we were done with the Bullet Club as divided faction is done. I think we're back to having a, a united Bullet Club under Jay White. And we're now in the Switchblade era. We've moved on from Kenny Omega and the Bucks splitting them with the elite thing. And now yeah. we're back to a united heel faction of the Bullet Club. Nice. Okay. Well, what do we got coming up for New Japan next? What should we be looking out for as far as events? What's What follows Wrestle Kingdom? Well, tomorrow night, it's not big in terms of storyline, but it's big in terms of quality matches. Uh, Fantastica Mania starts tomorrow night. It's their crossover with CMLL. A bunch of luchadors from CMLL come over to Japan and tear shit up. It's always uh, super entertaining. It's a time for the guys in New Japan who've been to Mexico to, to stretch their lucha wings a little bit. Um, you get good appearances too. For example, the final night we're going to get a cameo by Ultimo Dragon, so it'll be nice to see him back in the Damn. ring again. Yeah, so looking forward to checking out some Fantastica Mania. Like I said, not going to not necessary if you want to keep up on storyline, but if you want to watch some fantastic wrestling, some Fantastica wrestling, uh, watch that. Well, New Japan Wrestle Kingdom is behind us off to 2019. We go. Uh, before we get out of here, guys, uh, as we always do, listener questions. We got to get through those real quick. Uh, if you want to submit yours every week, you can do it just for the price of $5 per month. Sign up for our Patreon tier over at patreon.com slash BWO. This week, our question comes in from Will James. 
Commentary mentioned that the Intercontinental match may be a blow-off between Seth and Dean. Do you actually feel that that has happened? Or does this continue given that this match is essentially what we've wanted out of the rivalry? And if it is done, does that mean Seth is gunning for the Universal title given Triple H trying to pump him up over recent weeks? Uh, I like where your head's at, Will. <laughs> I like yeah, it. Yeah, I... I Hopefully they listen to him and not just us. Uh, I I like what he's thinking here. I do you I, work for WWE? Will? I uh, well, because you should if you yeah. don't. I like the. I, first of all, I agree. This was the match I wanted to see between Seth and Dean, except for you know, like I said, Dean's promo to build it and the finish. Everything else was great. Um, it was vicious. It was hard hitting. It was back and forth for the most part. Even though Dean seemed to take a lot of the punishment, um, but. I don't know if it was the blow off. It seems like to have that kind of uh, mush finish with Bobby Lashley, it, there's stuff that's still unfinished with Seth and Dean. Now, maybe they come back to it at a much later date, but um, I, I feel like they could they could continue the feud if they wanted to. Is um, there room at the top at the, for around the universal title for Seth Rollins? If Braun loses at Ro- Royal Rumble, absolutely. They should have had him in the title picture last summer but they still wanted they still were going with roman there's then they were, were going with braun so yeah they should have pulled the trigger on seth when he was a lot hotter before he got brought down by some of these these you know other feuds that he was in that weren't quite as as steamy yeah so you know could they get him back in the title picture absolutely they could pull the trigger on him overnight if they wanted to and jet him right back up to the top but you know he doesn't he doesn't take much to get him pardon the pun fired up I like Dean having the title. Seth, I don't think Seth needs a title. Um, I think we all want Seth to have a title, but I think Seth is good enough to where he doesn't need one. Dean needs one. Does it? Dean, does, does, Dean needs some kind of value to, in, to bring to the equation because he doesn't otherwise. I'll agree with that, but t- could I interject by saying, is it that Seth doesn't need the intercontinental title anymore? That at this point, it seems beneath him like at this point given his popularity and his overness like nothing but the universal title will do i i don't know i like seth chasing i like seth chasing agreed agreed uh i don't know what to do with him once he gets there like once he got the intercontinental title it was kind of (laughs) like that's a really good point (laughs) okay now what uh so i like seth being in a title picture and chasing and fighting and being that is what you could tear the white meat off of his cheeks baby face but at the same time i if we put the universal title on him okay now what <laughs> do, do we i don't know what we do at that point and what does dean do with the intercontinental continental title i don't so know i'm still there's a lot of unanswered questions if we don't finish this and what happens if we do insert seth into that i think it'd be great to insert as a smaller more agile guy into a Universal title picture surrounded by monsters. I I couldn't agree more. I, I I'm still stuck on the image of tearing chicken breast meat off of Seth Rollins' cheeks. <laughs> It'd you be that, flaky. Got that it breast, just comes right off. That He's breast so white meat. meat. That breast meat. Mm. Mm, that white breast meat. Well, guys, uh, before we get out of here, thank you for the question, Will. Thank you very uh, much, and, Will. Uh, thank you to all of our other patrons. Uh, for your patronage. It does help the show. And if you'd like to contribute, again, you can go to patreon.com slash BWO. 
one time, throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar or sign up for one of our awesome tiers for some reward perks. They're all at patreon.com slash BWO. Like but Ian, before we get out of here, let's do some other news. Beep, 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 oh, beep, yeah. Lightning round. So first off, Pac. We talked about Pac earlier. He's going to AEW. But before that, he's got a couple of indie matches to do. He just had a match with Zack Sabre Jr. over at Rev Pro. Uh, this was a bit of a kerfuffle finish as well. He got the Saber got DQ'd, and then and there was a beatdown afterwards on Pack. But Will Osprey came in to save Pack, which is interesting because Will Osprey has a match with Pack next month. So, oh dear, hmm, oh somebody's yeah. gonna die. <laughs> Pack. Well, it'll be interesting with Will Osprey's new style if he if he yeah, keeps up the flippy true. stuff, or if he goes more for like the the ground based. Uh, more aggressive stuff that he was doing with Kota Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom. I'm fascinated to see how he changes his style uh, after the injury. But uh, yeah, so that's looking forward to that match. Some interesting stuff there. I don't know. Uh, we may see some of these guys end up in AEW as part-time contributors. We know Pac's going to be there probably full-time. So yeah, love, love getting these indies, indie matches from him while we can. Speaking of indie matches over in NWA, David Arquette a name many wrestling fans shudder to hear. But I say give the man a chance. He was a champion. He and Tim Storm <laughs> had a two-on-one match against Josephus. Uh, it was a hair-versus-hair match. And because David Arquette and Tim Storm won, they got to shave Josephus's head, which the only, like, okay, fine. You know, Tim Storm and Josephus, Josephus have had a, uh, rivalry for a while. That was all well and good. Honestly, Arquette had some good moves. It wasn't a death match, so I wasn't scared for his life anymore. But uh, my my takeaway image from it was Josephus getting his head shaved by David Arquette and Billy Corgan coming over and like leaning over and rubbing his own bald head and laughing at Josephus. <laughs> that nice. was that was pretty amazing. So that was uh it, it, this this is online. You can go check it out. Uh, but it's uh. It, it was a cute little moment. And Arquette, you know, he continues to try to get himself legitimately back in wrestling. And I think it's becoming more and more likely that people will accept him because he's now like going and paying his dudes, his dues. And uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty wild. He's, he's pretty loud on Twitter as well saying, you know, you guys talk trash. You guys, you know, talk down to me for, for botching that stuff and almost killing myself with fluorescent light bulbs. But hey, man, I'm out here just doing the work and putting in the time. And yeah. Uh, me as a wrestling fan, I love trying. that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, just give trying. the man credit for going out there and doing it. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, carry on, sir. Lightning round. No, I I couldn't agree more. Like I, I'm I'm all kinds of about giving uh, Arquette another chance. So uh, in other news, do you remember Akabono? Not not without some memory help. Okay, so he actually he is the. He was the first non-Japanese-born wrestler to ever become the Yokozuna, which is and, and Yokozuna is not just a wrestling name; it is the highest rank in sumo. He's yes. he was one of the biggest guys to ever compete in sumo. I actually, strangely enough, I had the the fortune of seeing him wrestle sumo in Japan uh, before he was Yokozuna. And I didn't even know it at the time, and then later was like, "Holy crap! I saw an Akebono match. That's insane." Well, he also uh, he spent some time in WWE and All Japan, New Japan, uh, Dragon Gate. He did some pro wrestling as well um, and held a couple of titles. It just made sense. He, he's, he's freaking huge. But um, 
he unfortunately recently had uh, some heart problems, some heart failure, put him in a coma, in an induced coma. And unfortunately, when he came out recently, he had suffered brain damage and the loss of his legs. Uh, not not loss, physical loss, but loss of the use of his legs. So this is uh, it's really sad news. He is undergoing some rehab right now. Hopefully, he can make a bit of a recovery. But it is pretty tragic that uh, a guy who is so athletic and and such a freak athlete, damn, uh, has has come to this. Apparently, had a hard time recognizing his uh, his granddaughter. Thought it was his daughter. So, uh, best wishes to Ake Bono. Hope he gets better quickly. If uh, yes. you know, if if even if even if it's not quick, hope he gets better. Get well soon, Ake. Uh, May Young competitor Priscilla Kelly gotten some heat this week because during a match that she uh, she had at Suburban Fight, she uh, she pulled out a used tampon out of her Ooh. wrestling drawers and shoved it down her opponent's throat. Obviously, this was a work, not a real used tampon, Ooh. but. All kinds of people came out of the woodwork to condemn her for this and say that no, this didn't have any place in wrestling, including Jim Ross, Gail Kim, uh, Cornette, of course, hated it. Oh, Jim Cornette, I was all over this. <laughs> you knew, oh, you knew Cornette hated this. Uh, Road Dog said that uh, this is the reason some people despise our industry. Uh, she, he said that she has no dignity or personal pride. Uh, you may remember Priscilla Kelly. She was in the Mae Young Classic. She lost to Deanna Parazzo in the first round. Um, she is actually online claiming that the only reason that people were shocked was because it it was it was vaginal. It involved a vagina, whereas if it had been penis related, it would have been uh, quote awesome and funny. For, no, no. For instance, if, the, if someone had pulled a condom off of their penis and shoved it down a competitor's mouth, I would have been equally disgusted, Priscilla. Well, so, but Mick Foley is allowed to keep a dirty sweat sock down his drawers and then and then put his ball sweat into people's mouths. I, I see both sides of this. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of torn on this. I don't think... Here, here's the thing. Do I think that it was a, a tasteful move that has a place in wrestling? Not really. It's not something I would want to see in a match. Would it have been entertaining as hell? Absolutely. Is have I seen way worse stuff in matches? Hell yeah. I think this yeah. I think this is a classic example of something small and relatively, frankly, inoffensive getting blown up to, to huge proportions. And people who are genuinely offended by this, calm the hell down. Really? Come on. <laughs> come on. Jesus. It's wrestling. It's it's wrestling. It's don't take it don't take it so damn seriously. That's all I have to say about that. Uh Melissa Santos is going to be joining Impact. Not too surprising. Her hubby, Brian Cage, and baby daddy Brian Cage works over there right now. We don't know if she's gonna be a ring announcer as she was in Lucha Underground, or if she will be a talent as she was briefly in Lucha Underground, but she will be joining Impact. Curious to see what she's doing over there. Uh, you may have noticed Lana was not on the show this week. That was because she tweeted out that she and Rusev uh, are going to be having a new member of their household coming. Yay! Yeah. Congratulations. It's a dog. It's a dog. They're getting it. They, ha- they, oh. got, they got a dog. Yeah. She, worked, she worked me on that pretty hard. I actually had it in the notes for this week. Lana's pregnant. Oh, my God. She's she out. took she, that nasty bump last week. Oh, no. no. Is she going to lose the baby? She's out. There's another one like Maria Canellis and... and uh, uh, Mrs. Wife, who's Maurice? God, oh, come on. Uh, no, they got a dog. She worked me uh, on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Lana and Russo have got a cute little puppy. Congratulations to them. Congratulations also to Pete Dunn, who has now been NXT UK champ for six hundred days. Good lord, 
Whoever takes Lord. that off of him finally the made when man. it happens made man. is is it's gonna be a big freaking deal. Well, this is the problem is they don't really have anyone who's a big enough deal to take it off of him. He's so this Saturday they have their first takeover, first NXT UK takeover. It's gonna be NXT Takeover Blackpool. It's this Saturday. And it's uh, Pete Dunn versus Joe Coffey. I don't think Joe Coffey's taking it off of him. And if he does take it off of him, it's I, I think it's a bad idea because Coffey's great. He's not that great. No. Here's the thing, Nick. You know who's coming to NXT UK? Who I think could take it off of him? Walter. Walter. Yep. yep. Bingo. He's the one guy I can think of who he could come in out of nowhere, beat the crap out of Pete Dunn, take it off of him, and hold it and make people believe after that that he's legitimate. I would not be surprised this weekend if we got a surprise cameo from Walter after this match. I wouldn't either. I'll be, I'm looking forward to watching uh, this takeover, not only because of that, not only because of the tag matches. and, and the, it's gonna, We have Rhea Ripley is defending the Women's Championship against Tony Storm. Uh, yeah, she got this match for winning the, uh, the Mae Young Classic. She picked to go after Rhea Ripley. Yeah, and frankly, I think she's going to win. I think Tony, I this, this was originally supposed to be Tony's title, so I think Rhea, Rhea has, has held it for her long enough. And it's Tony's time over in the UK. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Walter showed up or if we got some clue as to who Pete Dunn's facing next because at this point, it's getting to be a little silly with how long he's held it. They've got to bring... I mean, he's he's going to be a star. I mean, we're getting to Okada numbers pretty yeah, quickly. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> it's true. And he's, he's a star, don't get me wrong. Like, Pete Dunn has a very, very, very bright future. The dude is 23 years old, 24, whatever it is now. 23 years old, 24. That's like Velveteen Dream levels of bright future. Um, but we've got to get some other people legitimized in, the, in NXT UK because it's, it's not doing that well in the network ratings yet. So that is the other news. The road to the Royal Rumble will continue next week. Uh, and possibly we'll start seeing some real changes to the product. We may see some of these debuting new NXT superstars. We may see some more indications as to who's going to be in the Rumble, who's going to have matches at the Rumble. Things are going to continue to evolve, so come back and check in with us next Thursday, and thank you for joining us this week on our show. Yes, and please come over and join us on Facebook in the Busted Wide Open discussion group. It is the hub of our operation. We post there all day, every day. We have group chats firing up for all the pay-per-views and may even expand that into the weekly shows at some point in the near future. But right now, it's a new feature. We're piloting it for pay-per-views. But you got to be in the group to come and hang out with us there. Just search for Busted Wide Open on Facebook. Send us a join request, and we will get you right in. You can also find us on Twitter at BWO Podcast. Send us a fo- give us a follower uh, over there, and uh, send us a tweet. Let us know what you think about the show. We'll definitely get back to you. Uh, you can find us on YouTube at youtubecom slash c slash Busted Wide Open. We have been doing some testing on going back live now that we're on opposite sides of the country. So bear with us as we deal with some technical hurdles there. But we will be back very soon. Make sure you're subscribed over on YouTube and hit that little notification bell so you get alerted when we do. Last but certainly not least, if you love this show and want to support what we do, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of our awesome reward tiers to get your listener questions in every week. Uh, be a part of the bonus and get the bonus episodes that we're playing a little bit of catch up on right now. But there's some great, great gold-plated content uh, that is going to be coming your way and that is already out there. So the minute you sign up for it, you've got bonus episodes that you can consume already. Oh, man, that one we just recorded was fun as hell. 
Yeah, you don't want to miss that one. We went full GM mode. <laughs> and I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, five superstars we would sign and five superstars that would lead, that we should release. It's a lot of fun. About an hour and a half of content that you won't get anywhere else except that $10 or more tier on Patreon. Patreon.com slash BWO. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Surrey and Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Surrey and Dangerous. Bye-bye! Would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.